Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on January the 3rd, 2017. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, slightly more sick than I am. <laughs> Caffeine rage. Are we talking physically or mentally? Yes. Uh, okay, just wanted to make that clear. On today's show, we will be discussing the games we've played over the last, like, three weeks. We'll have our monthly game club, Crimson Skies. We'll have the monthly voting. We uh, will be taking a look at the top sellers on Steam for 2016. Tracer has the gay, and we'll have our weekly community corner. How are you this week, Rage? Uh, I'm alive, and I'm awake right now. Does that count? Yeah, I'm about this. Well, actually, I'm better than that today, but I'm the same. Yeah, I count. It's, yeah, it's been a long day. Medical stuff. Don't yeah. worry, I'm not dying, as far as I know. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. I'm yeah, not so, dead. Yeah, so Kyle's going to have to wait to take my place. Yeah. Well, I thought I was dying last week, so you guys got a lovely, um, not really Franken episode. I mean, it was the B team. They put that together for us, what, a month or two ago? Actually, I think it's more than that. Is it more than two or three months ago? I think so. It's it, It's been sitting there for a while. It, it, you know, a little bit of mold on it. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. Actually, actually, I still need to go listen to that. I have such a backlog of my podcasts. Yeah. Well, we were going to do that this week. We had planned to take this week off, but uh, last week I had the plague. Actually, for like the last two and a half weeks, I've had the plague. My in-laws brought it, and they left it, and I've been taking good care of it. On the plus side, the little package you sent me did not contain the plague, so it wasn't a plague bomb for me. No, it did not get the plague. <laughs> or you did not get the plague in in the box. Yeah, so at least uh, yeah, I had that going for me. <laughs> Have you tried all the cookies yet? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, granted, I, uh, whatever the gingers, ginger ones were, they kind of did not survive the trip. Uh, they were gingerbread. The okay. gingerbread men. Uh, well, let's put it this way. I couldn't tell that they were gingerbread men. <laughs> yeah. My mom made those, actually. But all the rest of them, Katie and my in-laws made when they did, like, a baking day. Yeah. I, well, let's put it this way. I could not tell that they were gingerbread men. <laughs> gingerbread crumbles. Eh, go good. They go good with ice cream. Yeah. I mean, most cookies do go good with ice cream, so. Yeah, very true. Yep, so you enjoyed your cookies, and I enjoyed chugging bottles of cough syrup and NyQuil. And taking other drugs. But and this everything's... is unusual for you? Yeah, not. it's becoming a regular thing. All of the sickness, it's just... You need to it's... stop this. This is, this is becoming a ongoing thing, and honestly, it's a little tiresome. I want to see you well, man. <laughs> gonna, you guys are going to have to have an intervention for me. No, it's just it's just been one of those years like where all of the worst things could come together. Like I had been stressed because of things going on, uh, you know, at the clinic. I have a stressful career, and I've got a two year old who goes to to pre or goes to daycare and comes home with God knows how do, many germs. Do it interesting diseases. Yeah, isn't that the whole point of daycare is for kids to get together and swap germs? Yeah, something like that. And then the weather here. 
for the last month or two has been hot, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold, which can wear out your immune system. That and you've also been well smoked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so, but I, I'm on the mend. I'm I'm like 99% better. In the mornings, I have to, you know, hack up some stuff, and I have like a little bit of a sore throat. But after like an hour, that's gone. I took some drugs before this just to be on the safe side, and I've got lozenges, and I have hot tea right now, and I can make more, so I think I'll be fine. And that concludes the medical portion of the podcast? <laughs> yep. See you next week, folks, with another report on my health. <laughs> uh, uh, Jared's declining health. Yeah, I'm getting old, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm, my body's falling apart. It's all down here, hill from here, you know, I'm. Yeah, hopefully next week you'll be able to sneak your recording rig into the ICU. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm on the other end of my mid-twenties. I mean, it's... Whoo. Old man. Well, look at it this way. It's only downhill from here. Well, yeah, I can coast the rest of the way, I guess. That works for my laziness. <laughs> so we had three, three weeks now? Yeah, yeah because we had uh, the VGL Awards, and we didn't do games we played that week because we had five people. <laughs> yeah. Which I snuck the fifth person in. Then yeah. you decided, you know, you had enough of me screwing with our recording because the week before, I did a, a pre-recorded segment and ended up that we had an even longer recording section segment for some reason. Uh, so you decided to say screw it and just get the plague and skip last week. Yeah, I needed some time away from you fools. <laughs> Primarily me. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, we have three weeks worth of games uh, that we played. And uh, you're lucky that the Christmas season is very slow on the channel, uh, because this is mostly games I uh, played on my own and wasn't Sunday samplers, except for one, which was a failed one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I am. I mean, we only had we have six games each. Yeah. Um, which but you have hardware. Yeah, and I have hardware, so that does honestly. That's not all that much for six weeks, or not six weeks, three weeks. Um, well, the thing so. also is, uh, I typically uh, I, I do sort of Oasis gaming where I'll pick up a lot of games during the sales, and I hold them in a backlog and then never play them. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have a backlog long, bigger than most people's entire libraries. And that's not even counting review copies. No. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, quick question. How much did you pick up during the sale? Uh, including gifts, because you did, we're talking about uh, gift uh, stuff that you picked up as well. Uh, uh, including gifts? Mm -hmm. I probably spent 150 bucks okay, buying games. Okay, I didn't games. do nearly that crazy. I, I'm in the ballpark of, well, including the two refunds I did, which both of them are on my list. Uh, I did probably about 80. That's not too bad. I mean, I got a, I got a Steam gift card for Christmas, a $50 Steam gift card for my mom. Uh, see, well, so I, I turned around and spent a whole bunch more money that I wasn't going to. <laughs> well, I went in with about 55 to $60 in my wallet, sold a bunch of the, uh, trading cards to begin with. Uh, and you know, that was a few extra bucks. Uh, picked up some games and uh, sold off more trading cards throughout the sale, which actually really racks up yeah. very quickly. Well, all of those trading cards go for ten cents plus, so that yeah. that adds up a lot faster than 
your, you know, five or six cent trading cards from those little backwater indie games. Wait, what's wrong with backwater indie games? Nothing. Just the trading cards worth aren't worth very much. <laughs> uh, you'd actually be surprised there. Some of them can be. That's true. I've seen some that can be, but in my experience, they're usually worth less than worth more. But anyway, uh, uh, I also got some gifts. I decided to be nice, and I sent the B team something. Sent Kyle something for his birthday, and sent you something. Yeah, I sent the B team stuff too. I sent you stuff. Mm-hmm. I sent Jim some some stuff. Everybody that that received gifts, or not that received gifts, that sent in stuff for VGL Awards, they got something. Um, I sent stuff to Spaceman and Go Shark. Uh, well, I didn't have that much money available, so I had to limit it. Yeah, I sent. I mean, uh, plus, I sent stuff to lots of people. Plus, Kyle got to double dip since his birthday is literally just before the winter sale. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the, the winter sale. Uh, even though people are still complain, well, I could understand why people complain that you know it's not as good as it was because uh, the developers and the publishers don't want to put their games on huge discount for uh, you know two weeks essentially. Yeah, and the flash sales allowed them to you know have a, a, a historic low for a day or you know uh, even just half a day. Uh, there's still good deals out there. It's just yeah. not as plentiful as they used to be, and also. People that remember the really, really good Steam sales have the games that they wanted. Yeah. That's the thing. I've got most of the big games that I want, and I'm like, well, you know, I could spend like 25 or 30 bucks on this game that I do really want, or just go and finish off some of these other games and wait till the next sale, and then that game will be like 15 bucks or 20 bucks. Yeah, it's the same here. I have uh, uh, most of the games I really want... uh, very uh, near to me. And then we have the indie games, which are uh, usually cheaper anyway, unless you're No Man's Sky. Mm. <laughs> yep. Uh, then uh, it's the triple A's that, yeah, you know, just wait for them to come down in price, which, yeah, you know, some of them never do. Uh, but other ones are, uh, you know, come down low enough that I'll pick up one or two and then immediately refund them because they are, uh, run like shit. Yeah. And you're I'm, looking at my list and thinking, okay, which one is this? <laughs> well, actually, I I had a couple of more that I refunded that I played for, you know, and then refunded them, but I didn't put them on the list. Oh, if no, I went uh, and looked and did that, I could add, like, two or three games to the list, but I, I don't think I'm going to do that. Oh, no, I have, uh, well, I have two games on the list that I refunded. I've refunded, refunded three games in my history of Steam. Two of them happened during the winter sale just the, this past couple weeks. Speaking of which, yeah. you'll get going. Sure, let's get going. So this time is going to be a little bit different than usual. Since we each have so much stuff, we're going to alternate. Um, who wants to go first? Well, since you have seven and I have six, uh, maybe you should go first. Okay. So the first thing on my list is actually hardware, not a game. Oh I bought uh, an i7-4790K, uh, which is uh, a CPU that was roughly, uh, at least on uh, artificial benchmarks, was... On paper. On paper, it was twice as powerful as my CPU. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, my CPU was fine, yeah. but I was pushing it hard because it wasn't designed to do streaming and video rendering. It was meant to be, you know, for a, a budget gaming platform for a dude who plays, you know, games by himself or with his friends. And when I had done that, it served me well. But I mean, 
I was running it ragged. Uh, I mean, I, you know, you can kill hardware before it's time if you push it too hard. Yeah. And I was running it, you know, at 100% all the time. So I knew I was going to burn it out soon-ish anyways. And I thought, well, you know, the 4790K is going to go out of production soon because it's one generation. Or is it now two generations behind Intel's current um I'm honestly don't keep up enough with Intel, and I'm starting to uh, look at hardware again. I'm, I'm bouncing between two project ideas. One is a secondary monitor, which I could get today. Mm-hmm. And the other is to just pocket the money that I have right now that I got during Christmas. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, okay, I will say that I did get a bit of money for Christmas, but I was told explicitly that that is not to be give, uh, used for gifts. <laughs> so, right. So, uh, I could hold on to the money and start uh, saving up to build a, uh, well, essentially a new computer. Right. Well, And I'm, I'm kind of torn on uh, both projects because they both have their upsides and downsides. Yeah. But, well, anyways, the 4790K is either one or two generations behind Intel's current stuff. And they've stopped production of it and its price had that drop. That they, mm-hmm. that all hardware does when it goes out of production. And then the price starts to creep back up as, you know, there starts to be less and less out there. Yeah. And so I picked this thing up for like 300 bucks, which when it was a brand new processor, it was, I think, 500, either 450 or 500. So I was pretty pleased with that. And my goal is for this PC in its current form to last three years as my main rig. And then I'll build a completely new rig and push this one to, some kind of secondary role, maybe it's like a multimedia PC or something in the living room. Yeah, that's where I'm uh, hitting a problem is that I'm pretty much maxed out on the hardware that I could do now because uh, I went an AMD processor and you know there's not a lot of headroom there. Well, this and, is the in the uh, upcoming new processor that's coming out is a new socket, so I can't. Well, I probably can't uh, put it in unless they put backwards compatibility in it, and then. Still, I'm sacrificing a lot of performance there, so yeah, it probably wouldn't be worth it if I could even put it in my system. Yeah. Well, this is the most powerful CPU that will fit in in my motherboard, so I'm maxed out there. I could still go up in terms of graphics cards and in terms of RAM. Um, I'm only using a quarter of my PC's max RAM capacity, Um, but I mean, it's 16 gigabytes. At 16 gigabytes, I'm still, you know ahead of the curve on that, so I'm not even worried about that yeah, right si- now. 16 gigs right now. I'm not going to say uh, it's all you'll ever need, because that is stupid. Yeah. But at least right now, uh, I would say 8 gigs is probably the norm uh, for what you need for most games. Yeah. And that's probably a little above average uh, for what you would need, but yeah, it's a nice even number. I'm not going to say a round number, because it's not. Yeah. I could turn this in like three or four years into a, a hardcore home server because I can hook up uh, three more SATA devices to my motherboard without having to use any kind of adapters or anything. So I could put three more hard drives in it. Easy. My power supply could support that, especially if I disconnect the the video card. But whatever. That's not what we're here to talk about right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anyways, we're off topic. Yeah, so the 4790K is about twice as powerful on paper as my i5 was. I forget exactly what specific model of the i5 I had, but about twice as powerful. And I was expecting to get 
75% performance boost in everything except gaming because, I mean, my CPU wasn't really my bottleneck. I've seen, in general, I've seen like a 10% boost in performance for most games. A couple of games like Transport Fever, which are really heavily reliant on CPU performance, I've mm-hmm. seen some larger gains in that. But You know, if you really wanted to stress test it, uh, loaded up something absolutely absurd in KSP. I should do that, actually. I didn't even thought of that. I should do that. Because, I'll do that uh, and report back on it Because KSP is uh, multi-threaded now, so... Yeah. I'll do that and report back on it for next week. But, um, I mean, I doubled my... I wonder my, if I still have the uh, save file. Hmm. I doubled my logic core count. I went from four cores to eight cores. And then uh, this has got a base clock of four gigahertz with a boost clock, like, what do they call it? Intel Turbo Boost or whatever? Yeah. Uh, a 4.6 gigahertz. Yeah, unfortunately, it makes your computer jump up in the air as well. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I haven't really noticed much performance in gaming, uh, performance increase in gaming. But when it comes to actually working, um, rendering videos and all that stuff, it's it really it's almost twice the performance. I was really impressed at how much of a performance boost I got. Um, so I set up some render tests and ran them with my i5 before I put in the i7. And to render... Uh, kind of our typical content, something that's around an hour long, like yeah. whenever we're you know doing video recordings. Uh, I was going to say uh, typical. That's obviously not the audio stuff. <laughs> I I haven't ran any audio stuff on it, but I mean I've tested that so much, like I've done that so much. I don't need to run any tests on it. Uh, I'm just going to see how it compares when I do this week's edit. But anyways, uh, rendering videos and things like that, um, it cuts the render time almost in half. Uh, normally wow. it, it took, it would take me about 40 minutes to render a 60 minute video, mm-hmm. um, the, with, you know, all of my settings and everything. And, uh, yeah, it that's takes, about what I did. Uh, uh, what I do is about 40 minutes uh, for a render. But with, with my new processor, it takes 22 minutes. Wow. Um, so almost twice the performance. I was amazed. I was expecting it to, to drop down to like the 30, uh, the 20, you know, the, like the low thirties. Maybe the high 20s, but 22 minutes, I was blown away. So I'm quite happy with this purchase. The SSD, well, no, that wouldn't have anything to do with it because I pull all of my stuff from an external drive. Which yeah, I was going to say, you should not be running uh, video editing. Uh, you could run the software just fine, but you shouldn't be uh, pulling video from or writing to that SSD from the uh, uh, video editing software. Yeah, because no, that'll that burn it will out. kill it. Yeah. yeah. No, I... I don't even run the software actually off of the SSD. It's all running off of, well, all the software is running off of my internal hard drive. And then all of the footage and everything is getting pulled from my external SSD that I use to store all of our footage and everything on. So I was impressed. I'm wondering if it could go higher if I had a faster drive. Like I'm tempted to run one one time off of the SSD to see if it makes a difference. Well, if you really want to uh, have some fun with it. Uh, you have multiple drives, right? Yeah. Pull the uh, have the raw footage or your uh, on uh, one drive and have it running to another drive. Oh, okay. I'll do that uh, later. That, uh, if I had room on that data drive, I'd be doing that. But yeah, you know, it's uh just uh room uh yeah uh drive constraints for me. I need to upgrade my data drive as well. That's why I'm thinking new computers. Uh, uh, a possibility for this year. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll pull from one external drive and write to my other external drive. Because my other drive is 
just for backups. You know, I don't really use it for anything except just backing up files and then keeping my uh, system images well, on. Well, if you're running but, off uh, two external drives, it may not see a, a difference because it's still on the same bus. Yeah, okay. I was thinking, you know, the internal drives. Yeah, no, I could do that. Because that's probably your bottleneck. Uh, well, uh, I'm assuming uh, you're running a USB 3.0. Yeah, I am. Okay. No, if it was 2.0, I'd be spending years waiting. <laughs> I had to copy some stuff to a, a flash drive the the other day that was just USB 2.0. Uh, and I had forgotten how slow file transfers were. Oh, yeah. And it, it took like an hour to copy a couple of movies to it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even like two gigs worth of stuff. It took it almost an hour. But yeah, it's not that slow whenever I'm uh, pulling uh, uh, the podcast to my phone because I, I've d- uh, it's probably a little bit strange, but I'll just uh, set up the playlist in uh, Winamp. Yes, yes, I still use Winamp. <laughs> what can I say? It whips the llama's ass. Uh, <laughs> but I'll uh, move all the files in the playlist uh, file itself to my phone. And then, yeah. uh, if I'm on my, uh, you know, uh, if I'm uh, popping about or, you know, uh, laying down, I'll, uh, listen to the podcast on my phone. And I'm still trying to get through my backlog. Uh, Code Optional has really, uh, hurt me on trying to get through podcasts. Assholes put out a three hour podcast every week. It is, it is really hard to go through a backlog of three hour long podcasts. I'm getting close. I've only got like 20 episodes of Code Optional left from way back when, you know, from like the, 2012 2013 time and then i've caught up to all of their podcasts but i'm like God, 20 episodes at three hours each so long we would yeah. never do something like that would we no no never. no never never <laughs> so yeah in general that's my 4790k well, 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 i should say uh if i'm uh and then i'll just make note of you know where i am because both of the playlists are synced so you know, if I'm starting a new episode or, uh, you know, just mark how far I am and just uh, mirror it on Winamp or uh, Rocket Player, depending on where I am. Yeah. I'm sure that there's an easier way to do it, uh, but it would probably require me to use uh, probably Media Monkey or something. And I, I do not like that program. It uh, just causes me problems. Fucking yeah. monkey. <laughs> no, no, monkey, not you. I'm uh, not the monkey hanging off my uh, boom arm because it's looking at me right now. (laughs) You made it sad. I also installed an SSD, but I mean, everybody knows how those perform. I just had never installed one. I I had used them before. I always love how everybody's like, I I experienced this thing where it's like, yeah, I just have, you know, uh, a hard disk drive. I don't have an SSD. And they're like, oh, SSDs are so much faster. It's like, yeah, I've used them before in other rigs at you know, other jobs that I've had or whatever. I just, yeah, I'm just shocked that you never put it in. Well, at the time that I built my machine, they were still really expensive. Um, at least, it, well, they were expensive in terms of like price per, you know, gigabyte of storage. And mm. I was like, well, I could spend, you know, however much it was, a hundred and something dollars on this uh, 250 gigabyte SSD, or I could spend that same money and get a two terabyte hard drive. And I was like, I mean, I don't care if it takes the computer two or three minutes to boot up. Two, ter- two terabytes of space means that I won't have to worry for a long time about storage space. And so that was what I went, because I was on a budget. But, I mean, now I've got one that I, you know, it's a 250 gigabyte. I paid like 
$55 for it or something like that. Yeah. So I'm cool with that. I mean, it's my boot drive, and I've got a couple of games installed on it that would benefit from that performance. And, you know, I've got a few other programs running on it. Like, all my main stuff is going to be running on it. Um, but So, of course, Transport Fever's on it. Yeah, Transport Fever's on it. <laughs> yeah. I already played like 15 hours of that on the SSD with the i7. I'm not but. sure who's worse, you or Kyle. <laughs> probably me. Just, I probably. Well, since we brought yeah. up a game, should we move on? Uh, because yeah, we have a lot to get through. Let's do that. You talk about your first game. Okay, uh, three weeks ago, I played the free weekend of the of the division on uh, UPlay, and uh, I'm a bit mixed on it. It's one of these games that I could see the appeal of, and I think I would enjoy playing through uh, up until I get max level. It's gonna it's the same problem I had with the crew when I uh, played it. I got to max level, and there was nothing that interested me. Now, I think that's the problem I would have with The Division. Uh, thankfully, it was a free weekend, so I was playing through that. And also, I had a performance issue with The Division. On all the areas I was running, I actually installed MSI Afterburner to monitor my hardware because I was having some uh, issues with The Division. I should have right. had it installed beforehand, but yeah, it was just one of those things that yeah never bothered, bothered with. No, I'm in the same boat. I don't use MSI Afterburner. Well, this, I'm only using it for the hardware monitoring because the uh, version of the uh, RX 480 I have is pretty much as far as you could overclock it uh, on its uh, factory settings. Right. Anything I push f- uh, beyond it, it starts crashing. So it's just not worth uh, overclocking it. Yeah. I could probably get a little bit more with the uh, new driver updates, but no, it's not worth it right now. Uh, but anyway, back to the division. Uh, so I was monitoring uh, my hardware and uh, in normal areas in, uh, in gunfights, I was using uh, probably 65, 70% of my CPU. And I would say about four, uh, it really pounced on where I was, but between 40 and 60% of my GPU. Right. Uh, and I was running uh, locked 60 FPS. I mean, it was perfect. Right. Then I went to the area with the cleaners. And uh, for those who don't know, the cleaners are essentially firefighters who went absolutely insane in the uh, aftermath of whatever happened that triggered the division's uh, story. And there was something about a flu that, uh, a terrorist attack that of, a, uh, of a flu that was put on dollar bills. And uh, during Black Friday, uh, all the money that was passed around was the, uh, was the, uh, the way that the flu was passed around. And uh, the people that are uh, left are the ones that had uh, essentially hit the genetic lottery and who was immune to it. Or they shopped on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) But anyway, uh, the cleaners are these uh, firefighters who went absolutely nuts and decided that the only way to save humanity is to absolutely purge uh, the, the infected. Now, uh, you would think affected and think, uh, think zombies, but no, it's just, you know, people that have the disease, but, you know, it wasn't fatal to them. They were exposed to it. Right. So a lot of fire, a lot of, uh, 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 bombs and that sort of thing. I go into a cleaner area and my frame rate just tanks to 30 to 20 FPS. And I'm watching my CPU absolutely peg across all eight cores. And I think it has to do with the physics because 
Uh, yeah, there's a lot of fire going on. There's a lot of explosions going on. Uh, and it's just not made for uh, how uh, AMD handles uh, physics. It's uh, probably a physics or something uh, going on. and just absolutely makes the Division unplayable for me, unfortunately. Right. Well, I mean, the Division had a lot of issues for PC. Yeah, yeah. And outside, of the, outside of cleaner areas, it's fine. But the thing is that the Division is essentially a uh, FPS MMO. And the way an MMO is set up is that in order to bypass an area, which technically you can in the division, you're going to have to be grinding for a very, very long time. And you also aren't going to get the story because part of the story is going into these areas with the cleaners and dealing with them. So, yeah, that kind of just killed the division for me. Right. Which was a shame because... Like I said, I was kind of enjoying it. I'm not sure if it was going to be something I would pick up uh, during the winter sale. I didn't really drop that much of price. So, it, you know, it wasn't uh, on my must-buy list right now, but, you know, it would be in the future. But now, you know, unless I build a new rig and I get to test it again because, yeah, it's just unfortunately unplayable. And, yeah. and it also has these weird things that, it, you know, it has the you know the DPS of each gun, but you know each gun has like ten thousand DPS, and uh, everything just feels really bullet spongy, yeah. especially when you hit a boss. And what's really frustrating is that you'll hit these named uh, like mini bosses, and they will just wreck your shit in like one or two shots. And there was a couple times that you know I would uh, thought I was in cover. But I'm not sure if the game was, you know, thinking I was slightly out or if the boss had a, just the right angle and would just wreck me behind cover. And it has this weird thing where it feels like sticky cover, but at times it's not if you're not uh, exactly perpendicular. Uh, if you if you go to a piece of cover that instead of uh, going left and right, you would have to go forward. If you press right, you'll actually leave the cover. So, it, you know, it's just one of those weird things. It, it, it had a bit of a learning curve with the cover just because it wanted to be sticky cover, but it wasn't. And it's, right. it, and it's a cover-based shooter. It's definitely a cover-based shooter. Uh, with enough leveling and enough traits and uh, uh, perks and that sort of thing, you can get tanky enough where you could just go out of cover, but, you know, it, you're low level, you're not doing that. And yeah. I only got to level 10 of, I think, 30. I was starting to get to the point where things were starting to open up and your base used, uh, you get your base and it's uh, instant space. And as you uh, get your tech points in the three branches, you're able to unlock different things. So that's where it starts to open up uh, trait wise. And as you level up, you also have more slots that you can suck it in traits. What is nice is that you could swap uh, the traits in and out pretty much at will, along with your active ability, which you eventually get two of. So if you're going on a mission that you that your uh your uh, pipe bomb is not going to be useful your, or your uh, bomb uh, that you could throw out, you'd swap it with a uh, a ballistic shield that uh, forces you to use your sidearm. But you know it uh, gives you a little bit more extra cover. Yeah, uh, and you could swap it out on the fly, which is nice. But like I said, it, the division it. Uh, uh, review-wise, it did say it suffered from in-game content uh, fatigue, and uh, the survival DLC that they have, it just doesn't... It's interesting to me, but I'm not sure if it's something I would play for a lot, long time, and that's what everybody's praising it for now uh, on the end game. so 
I'm not sure if it would be something that would uh, capture my attention anyway. It would just be something I'd play for uh, probably about 20 hours or however long it takes to get through the campaign. Because uh, where it's an MMO, it has these long stretches of between-story stuff, which just kills the pacing. I really wish The Division was a single-player game. Yeah. I mean, Destiny suffered from the same problems. The only thing that Destiny did better was the bullet sponginess. I mean, enemies could be bullet spongy, but it did reward skill a lot better, I think, than the the division does. Yeah, yeah. Because you the, could kill you, most enemies yeah. with one or two headshots in in Destiny, as long as you were on the level curve with your weapons. Yeah, I did eventually get a pseudo sniper rifle. It wasn't a proper sniper, but it allowed me to put a scope on it, and I was able to start. Dropping people with one or two shots, but the thing is that, uh, you know, if it's a cover-based shooter, so you know, it, it's whack-a-mole at that point, right? And Destiny being a true FPS, you know, no cover. Well, I mean, I guess you could take cover, but you know, it's not a cover-based shooter, so enemies are running everywhere. If you've got the skill, you just pop, 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 dead. Plus, it gives you a rifle at the very beginning of the game. Like your first weapon is an assault rifle. Which, not as powerful as a sniper rifle at headshots, but, you know, second best, so. Yeah, you only have, uh, well, uh, at the level I got to, I'm pretty sure it's maxed out, though. You get two, uh, essentially, main weapons that you carry along with you, uh, and then a sidearm, and I think that's it. I think you may have a melee slot, but I'm, uh, I think it's pretty much you know, you're pistol whipping people anyway. Yeah. But it's... Uh, uh, yeah, the sidearm just felt completely useless. Now, I'm sure that there's builds that uh, improve it, but it just uh, the level I was. Uh, unless you, or both your main weapons were completely out of ammo, you'd never used your sidearm. At least I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Does that but make I, time for? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like I said, uh, maybe uh, after a new rig, and if they have another free weekend, I'll give it another shot. I intend to buy it one day. It's just, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I don't really care about any of that other stuff. I just want to enjoy the MMO it, aspect of the single-player campaign, which sounds it, it, weird, it, but I like has, that sort of thing. It has an interesting story. I just wish that there was a way to fast-track the story. Right. Because, like I said, it, it, it's interesting, but you have... I got uh, the first few story missions done, then there was this long pause, and then I got another story mission... And that's when I uh, ran into the cleaners for the first time and my FPS just tanked. And I was looking forward uh, towards, you know, what the other uh, story missions were and the recommended levels. So it was like 10, then 16, then uh, 20, and then, uh, and then there are several in the late 20s uh, towards 30. So uh, there's long gaps. I'm sure that there's a way to fast track it if you know how to play through the game quickly. Yeah. Okay, well, are you ready for me to... Yeah. Okay, well, my first actual game, but my second item. Uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, the uh, the mobile game. The Star Wars RPG, turn-based RPG, whatever. Yeah, I played this ages ago. I'm I'm hooked. I really like this game. Granted, really, they, I, really it, like seems it. Like, it seems like they changed it a lot since the last time I played. So I started playing it a day or two before Christmas... And I've played it every single day since then for, I don't know, a couple hours a day. There's a ton of stuff you can do. 
that is not reliant on your energy bars. So you can do a crap ton of stuff every day. I'm level 48 um, and have got like 20 heroes pretty evenly split, split between the light side and the dark side. I think I have 11 light side and 9 dark side. But since you played, they've added uh, ships, uh, ship combat. So all of the characters that were pilots in in the Star Wars movies and you know extended universe places that they come from, now all of their ships are in there, and they're another thing that you can spend a kajillion dollars on to try to acquire. And you do space battles. The space battles don't unlock until level sixty, which really sucks because they tease it to you. You get a couple. Uh, I hate that. Like you get a couple, and they let you do a couple missions. It's like, oh, we're training you to use these ships, and I'm like, great. And they're like, okay, now you can get the rest at level sixty. And it's like, well, Fuck shit. You. And then like they tease it again. It's like, oh, you're getting closer here. Let's let's give you Tarkin and the Executrix, and now you can do a space battle with some Tie Fighters and a Star Destroyer. And it's like, yes, I want this. Oh, but we'll see you in ten levels. <sighs> Very sad. But I'm getting Thanks. there. I'm grinding it out. I'm I'm getting about a level a day now. As yeah, the I don't XP recall continues what level to... was. Well, I got I... like twenty five well, levels it... the first day. What well, well, what really frustrated me was that it was uh, almost impossible to get a character uh, free uh, in any reasonable time frame. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they haven't changed that. No. Um, I've spent about twenty bucks on the game so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you you can uh, buy the heroes pretty much uh, quickly, but the thing is that you're not getting the ones yet you want. You're getting them out of packs, and there's right. Uh, yeah, you have your selection that you get, and of course, there's going to be some that's more rare than others, and they're usually the uh, the more well named, uh, well known ones. You know, yeah. Instead, uh, you could open up a pack, and you know, trying to get uh, Han Solo, and you'll get random stormtrooper. Yeah, uh, great. I, I'm not sure those are in the same pack uh, in the real game, but eh, it's the same idea. Well, there's different kinds of packs. There's the free pack that you get every 20 minutes, or you can spend the in-game currency that you earn, whatever it's called, on. And they have a chance to get all of the one-star heroes, uh, either their characters or shards for them so that you could level them up. Yeah, and it just types an absurd number of shards to create yeah, them. Yeah, that's where it gets really bullshit, because it's like 25 shards to go from level 1 to level 2, and then like 30 to go from 2 to 3, and like it goes up every time, and without like without any context, you're like, well, that doesn't sound too bad, I guess, but I mean, like, packs will, like, if you, you yeah, spend you money- Yeah, you get a handful of shards, you'll get very few shards per pack. Yeah, you get between 2 and 10 shards for a character, like, the different packs give you different things, but like, the cheapest pack- that costs real money is like between two and 10 character shards. So, you know, you could spend 10 bucks and open up five, four, five of those packs. And you still might not even get a character. I got very lucky, um, and got a couple of, of free characters from the free packs, like getting the level one characters, uh, yeah. cause you can actually get the characters instead of just the shards. I got really lucky and got a couple of those from the free packs. And they give you five free characters, like, as you play through the first few missions, you get five characters, so you get a full team for the light side. Yeah, and, and once then, you get to the dark side, they pretty much repeat it, so you have a light side and a dark side team. 
Right. And then I got a few extra characters that were a little bit better so that I could start doing the other activities that allow you to, to more regularly earn character shards without having to pay for them. Like, um, what's it called? The, the cantina, which are like more difficult battles. But I had a few better characters so I could start doing those and earning, regularly earning character shards and then purchasing packs that had character shards in it. So. I, I mean, I just got really lucky, basically, and was able to get a few extra characters that gave me a boost at the start. Um, so, but I mean, I love it. It's fun. The gameplay itself is actually really balanced and well thought out. Um, I thought it'd be, like, really crappy and super pay to win. And in some respects, like, there are some characters that are absolutely flat out better than other characters. I mean, there's no question about well, that. Well, also, if you spend enough money to get all those shards and level up your characters, you are just going to wreck face. That's true, but it does that thing where it's like, okay, you have this rarity of characters, so you go into this category of battles. So for the most part, it keeps the people who either have played the game for a bazillion hours or have spent a bazillion dollars on it away from the people like me who are just playing and trying to grind out the characters. Oh, no, but, maybe I should try it again, uh, uh, see how it is. I don't recall what level I was. I know I got to the dark side stuff. Yeah, well, you do that pretty early, within like the first 10 or 15 levels, I think. Um, it Although it could be different from when you played it compared to when I played it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they've made a bunch of changes, and they had a big update when Rogue One came out that added stuff to the game, so it's a lot of fun. I've already joined a guild, and we're we're... Uh, attacking the Rancor at Jabba's Palace as like a guild raid. I'm in sec- or I'm number two in my guild, <laughs> which is pretty crazy because I just started like two weeks ago. I've been playing it a lot. Have I- Did I mention that? I've been playing it a lot. Like a whole lot. Yeah, I think you mentioned that at some point. <laughs> really, the best way to win is to just have a bunch of characters because you can totally go at that game in a quantity over quality standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because the the best ways to get the, the most characters is uh, the galactic, at least so far, the galactic conquest mode, which just has you fight, uh, I think it's 15 battles in a row, and you can use all of your characters, like, you know, if someone dies, you just replace them with one of your other characters. And yeah, basically, just, uh, I... It's a Zerg rush. Yeah. And basically, I just beat that by having enough characters to, to survive. I, I was able to beat it for the first time today, because I got another new character. Uh, from the free pack. I got Biggs. But well, what about Wedge? I don't have Wedge yet. Yeah. I'm working on it. My One of my favorite characters is actually Ahsoka from the Clone Wars series. She's really good. She's got decent health, really high attack power. She self-heals and can heal the rest of your team with one of her attacks. Great character. Go for Ahsoka. She's good. And she's cute too, which is what really matters. That's absolutely yeah. That's what matters the most. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes. I mean, when you know, whenever I have these big breaks, I usually play more mobile games than usual. But Galaxy mm-hmm. of Heroes has been the only one. Like I got it first. I was like, I'm gonna try this. Now, I've been hearing, um, like it's done some advertising on podcasts here recently, and then I've seen it all over you know, the app store and it's popped up on ads, uh, on websites and stuff when I'm using a computer that doesn't have ad blocker on it. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And I'm glad I did. I like it. Uh, well, 
my next game is actually my only failed. Well, I shouldn't say. Well, it is technically my only failed Sunday sampler in this bunch, but it's also the only Sunday sampler video that I did for the last three weeks. Uh, that I did on, well, at least attempted on a single game. I did a, uh, list of, uh, cheap games for the winter sale, uh, uh, that released on Christmas. If you wonder, check that out, but mm, it's a little late for that now, isn't it? <laughs> late for the sale, but people could still check it out. Yeah. Uh, it actually did surprisingly well. Uh, uh, it's not a video that I'm particularly proud of because it was, uh, uh it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, you think about, I think of uh, the idea is like, well, fuck, why didn't I think about that sooner? Because <laughs> I never really put together a list like that. At least for uh, the YouTube channel. So it was uh, something I threw together in like 12 hours. <laughs> nice. And that's including downloading and uh, getting footage of all the games. Yeah. Sometimes though, those are the best. Like the thing that you throw together... It's like sometimes that does you know better than something you spend a lot of time on. Yeah. Well, technically this was both because it took me a lot longer than usual. Uh, but anyway, the uh, game that I was unable to record, uh, and this was a, a do just uh, it didn't like my recording software. Was drive, drive, drive. Uh, an indie racing game that's interesting. The, okay. It's big hook is that you're racing on multiple tracks at the same time. Okay. Uh, usually they're uh, copies of the track, uh, uh, layered on top of one another. But yeah, sometimes they're all like twisted around like a giant pretzel. And uh, the thing is that any car you are not a pro- uh, uh, or usually you're driving somewhere between two to four ish cars at the time. And any cars that, uh, of yours that you're not driving is under control of the AI. And they uh, say, and the AI is not particularly good. And boy, are they right on that. And uh, it's uh, one of those games that frustrates me personally. That I think other people enjoy just the randomness of it. But there was times that I would switch to a car. And oh, my car is upside down. Or, you know, uh, or it's uh, going the wrong way. Uh, but the game is also very heavily rubber banded where, uh, with a weight towards, uh, you know, your car being in uh, last place, but right at the edge of the pack. So if you switch to and, uh, have enough nitro available, you can quickly b- get back in first place. Right. But what's a bit frustrating is that some of the game modes require you to swap back and forth and which, you know, is pretty much uh, what you would expect with this game, but. Okay, the collection one, uh, which I'm blanking on the name because I haven't played the game in a couple weeks, is uh, each track has uh, gems on it that you have to collect, and you have to get a certain uh, number of the gems uh, between all the tracks. Well, if you're not in first place, and the uh, the other cars are able to collect the gems. So if you swap to a car that uh, has uh, had an accident... Uh, and you had to stay with the other car because uh, immediately once you start uh, switch away from it, it's like it goes to about 75% throttle and starts drifting back in the pack. And also the steering on the AI is not particularly great, so it may miss gems anyway. So you have to pretty much stay with the car as you're going through all the gems. If you swap to the other car and it's too far back, well, that's a section of gems that you're uh, not going to get. And you have to look at the map and see, okay... This car is going to have the next section of gems and see if you could catch it up. 
It's a juggling act. Right. This looks interesting, and at the same time, also terrible. <laughs> My, yeah, I don't... It, it's, it's the same thing that I had with Cluster Truck, is that it's a randomness to the difficulty that uh, was very frustrating to me. Right. Uh, because there would be a couple times I would fail uh, just uh, trying to drive a, a, a particular track or get a my goal on a particular track because uh, the AI flipped my car around. Or also, if you need to be very careful when you're switching because you immediately take control of the next car. So if you swap while your car is in a turn and you're not prepared for that, then you're going to hit the wall. There, there's no way around it. Right, and there's really no way to tell. Well, you can tell a little bit that you're in a cur- in a curve, but you can't tell how sharp the curve is, really. I, yeah. I do absolutely love the art style. It's it feels like a cyberpunk version of Trackmania's tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does have some loops, and it does have uh, some jumps, but not quite as crazy as Trackmania is, particularly when you get into the user made stuff. It's just one of those things that I wish the AI... Uh, yes, I understand that the whole point of the AI is to drive poorly, but at the same time, I wish it was more consistent. Right. So maybe they weren't quite so bad? Uh, it's not even uh, uh, so bad, because uh, the rubber banding could really uh, you know, set the difficulty. It's just... It feels like, at times, the AI... <laughs> Uh, glitches out, and they decided to make it a feature. Oh. I hate that. Uh, there's a couple sections of track, which this does have a really nice track editor, by the way, where it's the track mania style, once again, where you're putting together chunks of track. And there's a couple uh, sections of track that has a split that uh, uh, then reforms. And that's what really throws off the AI. Right. I, I, so many times I swapped to a car and you know, it was just either flipped over or just grinding on the wall uh, in one of those sections. It's like I said, it's a game that is not terrible. It's just not for me. Yeah, it doesn't look like it'd be for me either. It yeah, doesn't it's necessarily on your look. List. No, it's not. Oh well, it is uh, when I look just now. Well, I went to click not interested, and like my brain just not thinking clicked <laughs> add to wish list. Because that's kind of your default thing? That's my default setting, but then I was like, no, don't, go, go away. It, and at least on the uh, the uh, lowest difficulty, it's not that hard to beat uh, the goals, but uh, the, the times that I failed the goals were spectacularly was just when the AI completely uh, cocked up one car. Right. Which... It just doesn't feel fair because you can only juggle so much or so quickly, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, my next game is uh, Satellite Rain. I have been watching this game for a very, very long time. Back when Greenlight actually had real games on it. I voted for it. Oh, really? Yeah, I voted for it on Greenlight. That was a thing? Yeah. And then I followed it when it was in early access and uh, just watched it. And honestly, I kind of forgot about it for a while. But this time I went through my wish list and did some some sorting and 
It might not look like it, but I really did remove a bunch of games from my wish list. And I saw Satellite Rain, and I was like, oh, I remember this game. It's it's done now. I wonder, you know, how it looks. And it was really cheap on the sale. It was only two or three bucks, maybe. Maybe it was five bucks. Yeah, I think it was uh, in the five-ish area because it I'm was, looking at uh, I'm, uh, a lowest uh, price all time, uh, four ninety nine. Okay, so it's 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 about five bucks. I went, you know what? I'm gonna buy it. Four forty nine. Yeah, and uh, then you sent me a copy. I did send you a copy. Um, but yeah, it we're is talking a, about doing this uh, co-op, aren't we? Mm-hmm. It is a top-down uh, pseudo isometric. I mean, you can move the camera around and do some different stuff, but. I guess it's just different isometric angles, I suppose. But it's um, a, a real-time... Well, it's, it's a strategy game. It's a Well, yeah, I guess it is a real-time strategy game. But it's not like a massive RTS where you build bases or whatever. You control, um, at least now, as far as I can tell. Uh, I think it's for the whole game, though. You control four agents that you level up RPG style as you complete missions and they gain experience. Um and you research new tech and things like that to get them in this cyberpunk, steampunk-esque world. Uh, it's very, very um, Blade Runner. <laughs> very Blade Runner, which I love. And there's neon everywhere. It controls really well. Uh, the game's story so far is incredibly well flushed out. It gives well, if you... we're going to do this co-op, are you going to go too far on it? or No, I'm, if we're going to do a co-op, I'm probably just going to stop where I am. I played it for two or three hours, um, and I really didn't get very far in the story. I mostly just wandered around and explored, because it does give you lots of options. Like, for example, um, one of the really, really early missions, like one of the first missions, when you go to get your fourth operative... Um, it's like, okay, there's multiple ways you can get into the, this base, and you can choose to basically assault the front. Uh, you can try to sneak in, or you can bypass everything um, by using a, uh, what are they called? A zip line uh, that you can set up and, and go down. But you don't have, uh, like at the beginning of the game, you don't have any gear. So it's like, well, you can try and use this zip line, but you don't have gear, so basically your guys are going to be holding onto it with their hands, and if they fall off, they'll die. Yep. So, you know, it lets you do things, and it lets you try to hack computer systems that are above your level or that your person doesn't have skill for, and it'll give you, like, a little thing. It's like, well, this guy's not a hacker, uh, so he's got, you know, a 30% chance of completing this, and if he fails, yeah, he's going to alert you, all the guards. Yeah, that's something that you really liked in Divinity Original Sin, or I should say, still liking, is that even if you don't have the skills, you're usually allowed to at least attempt something. Yeah, it lets you try something. It's like, well, you know, you don't have the skills for this, but if you want to try and, uh, you know, improvise and just do what you can with what you got, we'll, we'll let you try kind of, it. Uh, that's kind of blurring the line between the tabletop RPG where, you know, the GM will let you try something that's outside of your skill set, but will, uh, you know, give you a, a harder time and a low percentage of uh, success versus a uh, computer RPG uh, not necessarily the CRPG C genre because actually it's more on the tabletop side of things, but I'm talking yeah. about RPGs on computers where if you don't have this hard number or better, you're not even allowed to try it. Right. Uh, so, or like, uh, well, the one that jumps out to me is the Fallout style where, you know, if you don't have so much intelligence, you don't even have the dialogue options. Right. Or at least in the older Fallouts. I don't know about Fallout 4 just yet. Right. But no, this lets you try it, and I love that. I love having that freedom. And it gives you a lot of freedoms, too, other freedoms. Like, you can control them individually or as a group, or you can split them up into pairs or 
I mean, you can do whatever you want with them to, you know, trying to uh, tackle a problem. You know, sometimes it's better to split up, like if the cops find you. Uh, or, you know, if you do something that, that makes the cops want to catch you. Cheese it. You know, it's... <laughs> It would be, you know, be good to split up and just scatter everybody. And that can be difficult to do, but you can do it and have, you know, four people run in four different directions. And I imagine like that would be a lot there. easier with uh, co-op because we would each be controlling two operators. Yeah, that would be a, a little bit better. Um, but it's cool. I, I wonder really if this could, like it. Uh, has up to four player co-op because that would be really interesting. I don't know. Honestly, when I bought it, I didn't realize that it had co-op. Yeah, then you sent it to me and I was like... Girl, you should just see this for a series. <laughs> I wasn't, but when I realized, you know, I realized it had co-op, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, we should totally do that because this is great." Because I, I, because I thought that was originally why you were sending it. It's like, okay, um, uh, series. <laughs> nope, I sent it to you because I thought you would like it. Also, it wasn't on your wish list. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, well, here's the thing: is that my wish list is more of a, huh? That looks interesting. Yeah. Well, I sent it to you because I thought you would like it. So. Mm-hmm. Which is very much appreciated. Yeah. Which I will try it uh, beforehand. Uh, yeah, make sure that I want to do a series on it because I'm looking at the uh, how long to beat on uh, the Steam store. That's one thing I love about Steam Enhanced is that it gives you all the extra info because it has the Metacritic, the user score, how long to beat, a main campaign, 28 hours, main and extras, 31, completionist, 32. That's not super long. I mean, that's long, but that's not stupid long like Divinity yeah. is. So, uh, so you're having uh, second thoughts about Divinity now? No, I love Divinity. We <laughs> we should keep playing it, but yeah, yeah well, I uh, yeah, something for 2018. Yeah, I'm only two or three hours in, so I'm not even pat. You know, I I completed the tutorial and did one mission in the first area that you get to. So. I, you know, I haven't hardly done anything. Mostly just run around, check out a cool Blade Runner-esque <laughs> world. Yeah, oh, speaking of running around and checking out an uh, interesting world. Segway. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, uh, actually had a good one, huh? Yeah, there you go. I had decided to, well, one of the games I picked up that is kind of AAA-ish uh, in the winter sale is the Australian documentary Bad Max. <laughs> yes, based on the true story. <laughs> uh, and uh, for all of the problems I had with Division and another game in my list, Bad Max runs beautifully. If you pardon the pun, completely maxed out. <laughs> uh, it's one of those games that you go in and expect it to be very bland because it is this, you know, wasteland desert. But there's a lot of stark beauty in that game that I was not expecting. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever looked at screenshots of this game, but there's just some areas of it that's just beautiful. I have. It had some controversy when it first came out. Oh, uh, it did? Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people were scoring it, I believe it was really high, and um, Jim Sterling and Total Biscuit scored it quite a bit lower. Well, well, and that, uh, you know, that well, sparked probably... an, a drama thing among media. And then they got together and did like this really long video like, look, we don't think it's a bad game. We're just tired of this kind of game. And it feels really bland to us. Like, this is just our opinion. That's yeah. what we do. 
You know, yeah, you might like it, say and that, that's okay. And I, and I will say that uh, this game is very, very repetitive. Uh, unless you just go absolutely insane and go story mission, story mission, story mission, story mission. Uh, there is a lot to do, and a, a lot of it is, you know, hitting essentially this, the same, uh, well, uh, the same basic idea, you know, hit a camp and, uh, kill the boss there, or destroy the oil factory or whatever. Uh, and that can be very repetitive, but the thing is that it's kind of turned into a more, uh, action packed podcast game for me. It <laughs> uh-huh. also, I've wanted some vehicular combat. Right. And that's what this does really well. There's not uh, a lot of places to get vehicular combat anymore. Yeah, this is, uh, it feels almost Borderlandish with its combat, uh, with, uh, well, oh, it's, uh, vehicular combat. On foot, it's Batman. Yeah. And, uh, I would say, um, uh, a more realistic style of Batman combat where you're not jumping around all over the place. If right. you're not paying attention to the, uh, distance between your enemies. Uh, you will break your combos. Uh, so you have to watch what you're attacking a little bit more than the Batman uh, 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 Arkham series of combat, but it's still the same basic idea where you build up a combo by successfully uh, punching guys uh, in a row. Right. With a little bit of le- more lead weight than the Batman uh, series because uh, just because you're not bouncing around like a fucking pinball. Right. Uh, and in the very beginning of the game, it has this uh, almost survival game aspect where your ammo is very limited, your gas is very limited, and it's very uh, uh, like you're just trying to scratch by to survive. But uh, if you do play a lot of the side missions and build up one stronghold, which I have access to two right now, I have Cheat's stronghold, and then there's another stronghold, which I haven't really touched, which I'm blanking on his name. If you build up one of them, it takes, it basically takes away that survival aspect because you go into the stronghold and your gas is refilled, your ammo and health is refilled, and your water canteen's refilled, which that's the big thing is that you don't have regenerating health in this. You have to either drink from your canteen, which is essentially one, maybe one and a half extra health bars. And then you have either maggots of dog food that you could eat in the uh, wild that you could find. Or okay. you can find a, a, a rain cl- uh, catcher to uh, refill your canteen. And that's all you're getting on refilling your canteen and uh, refilling your health. So you have to be very careful with your health. But the side, uh, the flip side of this is that, okay, your shotgun's pretty much an instant kill on anything except for boss level characters. Right. But you also only have a handful of shells. So it's, uh, it's very interesting on the uh, difficulty side. And, if you spend the time to do all the side missions, it does drop the difficulty a, a lot. So that's one of those things is that if you're doing the story and you're running into problems, go do side missions. Right. I've and had Mad Max. Oh, sorry. And there's just a ton of stuff to do. I've had Mad Max on my wish list for a while. I do want to get it and play it. But, you know, after reading reviews and watching the, you know, extensive coverage for when the game released. I was like, you know, this is like a $5 game for me. Like, when it's really cheap, in a, in a few years, I'll buy it. You know, I'll play it for... Um, It was $4.99. Was it $4.99? I didn't yeah. realize. But that's okay. I mean, I had several other games that I prioritized above it. I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it, you know... It, uh, let's put it this way. I was surprised it was that cheap. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, in a, you know, in a few years, or in a couple of years, maybe, when I've, you know, 
haven't played an open world game in a while that wasn't Skyrim or yeah, Fallout, I, you know, pick it up. Yeah, I've wanted something that I could just stick around in that it, uh, uh here, here's the difference between Skyrim and this for me is that if I go off and do a side quest and complete a series of uh, things, it has a real tangible reward for me. It will unlock, you know, I go to back to Jeet Stronghold in my, in the gas in the Magnum Opus, the car that I'm building up, which that's another thing that I haven't even touched on, uh, is refilled. Or, you know, or I uh, get uh, the maggot farm up and running. My health uh, automatically refills when I go back into base once every half hour. Uh, my ammo refills if I go do this side mission to go get this guy that knows the recipe to black powder. Yeah, it's just these tangible rewards instead of, okay, here's some experience and uh, maybe a little bit of gold. It's actually given me something. And I can see the results in the strongholds that I'm building up. There's a lot more NPCs in the strongholds that I've built up compared to the one that I haven't built up. And even uh, every time that I could uh, complete a certain number of these side projects, it has this like time skip uh, cutscene, and you can see more people showing up in the stronghold. Right. That's the difference between Skyrim and this for me. Yes, the uh, side missions are still very repetitive. You're still going off and uh, to the uh, the same handful of uh, uh, different camps, but. The tangible rewards just really sells it a lot more for me. And that, and also, there's so much to build up. You're building up Max's uh, uh, abilities, uh, just, you know, getting new armor for him, uh, improving his uh, different stats. Uh, there's actually three different level ups uh, in this. You have Max's abilities, which you get by getting legend uh, levels, which gives you these tokens that you give to these to this wanderer that keeps showing up to unlock Max's hidden potential. And these are, uh, you know, increases the amount of water that you get from rain catchers, uh, and, and, uh, makes it so that Max doesn't use as much fuel when you're driving around, that sort of thing. Which the fuel isn't as important right now, but supposedly later on it is. So I'm uh, kind of throwing some stuff in there anyway. Yeah. Uh, then you have Max himself, which that's increasing his, uh, direct damage, his, uh, fists, uh, the, his armor, uh, you also unlock some uh, extra, like, skins for him where, you know, he'll have a longer and longer hair and beards and that sort of thing. You know, look, makes him look kind of like you, actually, only thinner. <laughs> only thinner, yep. Sounds about right. Uh, and extra jackets for armor, that sort of thing. And then you have the Magnum Opus, which, uh, for fans of the Mag Max series, uh, I will say that it's been a long time since I've seen bits and pieces of the uh, old Max, Mad Max movies and to be honest, I never could get beyond Thunderdome. Right. I'm just waiting for you to groan about that, Pen. Nope, I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> uh, but you lose the black on black, his, uh, you know, like signature car in the opening cutscene. Oh, that but sucks. It but it gives you the, uh, the excuse to have a new car that you're able to build up over the course of the game, uh, uh, called the Magnum Opus. And you're unlocking new things for that. And as you uh, drop the uh, the threat by doing all these little side activities in different uh, territories, you're unlocking new abilities for the Magnum Opus. You know, the ability to put spikes all over it. So borders, when they jump on it, you know, kind of impale themselves. <laughs> or 
or you know, uh, increasing its uh, suspension ability so it's able to drive off-road a little bit better. And uh, even the base uh, Magnum Opus drives, once you get used to it, really well. I was a little shocked at just how well it handled. Granted, it is very arcadey, so if you, you hit a jump wrong, you could see the game kind of try to compensate so you land on your wheels. <laughs> right. But I enjoyed it. And it ran absolutely beautiful for me. I will say that if you don't mind it being a little grindy and uh, just uh, having uh, essentially the same activities over and over again, it's something that I wouldn't sit down and play you know, for hours and hours on end. It's something that I'll pick up for an hour, maybe two, then put it back down, pick it up uh, again, and uh, play a little bit more. If you're able to do that, I would say Bad Max is something that you may want to take a look at. Yeah. And Sounds of course, good. if I you're might... not absolutely sick and tired of open world games. And if it goes down uh, to the $5 range again, uh, yeah, that's like the perfect price for it. Yeah, aside from Skyrim, I've taken a huge break from open world games the last, this past year. Because I used to play them like crazy. So yeah, it, same it, here. Might it's just, it might same be time. Same here, I just hated some of the design decisions in Skyrim. Yeah. That, that's the thing, is I like open world games, I just hate Skyrim. Right. I'm feeling the itch to play Oblivion again, actually. Honestly. My mom, uh, that was the first game that she bought once we set her Steam account up and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's played it for a while, and I was watching her play, and I was like, I want to play this again. Yeah, it's a shame that they blew all their budget on Sean Bean and uh, Patrick Stewart for the voice actors. Yeah. Still, though. She was like, when she started the game, she was like, is that, that character looks kind of like Sean Bean, and I was like, you know, because he's in, like, the screenshots or whatever that they have in the store. And I was like, yep, kind of. She was like, does Sean Bean play anyone in this game? And I said, yeah. She goes, does he die? Uh, Spoilers. Hesi- she was like, your hesitation means he does. Well, it's Sean Bean. What do you expect? Well, technically. I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her. But you're right. Technically, <laughs> he turns into a dragon and defeats... Uh, Mayron's Dagon, but yeah, which honestly, I was a little disappointed by. Sky- uh, well, I was disappointed by Skyrim's ending, but I was also disappointed by Oblivion's ending. Just that, you know, I was more of a spectator for it. Yeah, that kind of sucked. I wanted to fight him. Yeah, attack his big toe. You actually, you can fight him, but he's by default an invincible character in the scene. Yeah, where... he's one, yeah, he's one of the essentials, so he'll just get knocked out. Yeah. So. Uh, shall we uh, move on to your next game? Because we are going very long on this. <laughs> we are. I need to take a sip of water. Just a second. Mm, delicious hydration. So my next game, this one will go really fast. Factorio. Um, I played Factorio for some reason on my new rig. Like, I, I, I went to play it and I was like, yeah, this will run so much better on my new PC. And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, I was already running Factorio off of an external drive just to test that like how well that worked um having a steam you know steam games installed on an external drive and it was still running at 60 frames a second plus with you know no dips and no slowdowns and it loaded really yeah, quickly I didn't really think this one through did you yeah i was like i didn't really think this one through oh well i mean it took like i don't know two seconds to load before and now i press you know play or you know start you know whatever it is to generate a new game and it's like now, now you uh, now you as soon as you think about it but before you press it it starts the game 
Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, I played Factorio again, checking out some of the new updates um, and the new stuff. I'm really looking forward to the next update that has the 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 nuclear reactors. But I we talked about that when we discussed Factorio on the VGL Awards. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not really going to go into too many details. Just I played Factorio for a few hours. I mean, I'm recording it. I, I Every time I play Factorio, I start it, and I'm like, I'm just going to record an entire game of Factorio from start to finish, make one giant YouTube video for the hell of it, and post it. So I'm doing yeah. that again. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're almost uh, like Factorio, where I am with uh, RimWorld, where I'm in my building stage for the Alpha 16 build, uh, my mod set. Uh, and I've uh, kind of wanted to just uh, do background footage for it, but you know, I'm uh, swapping things in and out and trying to test things. Like there was this one mod that I absolutely loved the idea of, which you'll love the name of it, Psychology. Ooh. Uh, and it made it so that people would uh, get anxiety and everything. But the thing is that everybody was getting it. So everybody was hiding in their fucking room for half the time <laughs> and having a good cry. Yeah. And nothing was getting done. And so it felt like either I was doing something wrong, which was very likely. And yeah, trying to prevent that. Or just, you know, uh, it wasn't tuned well. Or I was just having bad luck. Yeah. There's a lot of mods for Factorio that I need to check out. But it's kind of that thing with... um. KSB, it's like, well, I could get these mods, but the next time the update comes out, I'll have to wait on the mods to be updated so I can keep playing. Yeah, well, the thing is, well, with uh, RimWorld and KSP, and I imagine Factorio could do the same, is that I ripped the safe or I ripped the uh, game folder completely out of Steam. Yeah, I run off. Uh, actually, I run uh, RimWorld off my SSD. I I will probably do that. Oh, which, I should let's do put that. It this way, a couple weeks when I get to. When I finally do the Alpha 16 stuff. Oh, so looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the the series I'm running right now is like, is my spacer to allow me to uh, experiment with the Alpha 16. Right. And, oh, let's just put it this way. The tables will turn. <laughs> <laughs> you think right, you then. can siege me? You think you'd uh, drop fucking uh, borders on me? Guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Factorio. So we, we got through that one quick. Okay. Well, this one's going to be very quick. Wolfenstein The New Order ran like absolute shit. Ooh, that sucks. Although this game was pretty heavily optimized for NVIDIA and Intel. Yeah. So Yeah, let's put it this way. I uh, After I bought it, uh, I was uh, looking around for other Steam deals because I had like 15 bucks left in my wallet and I couldn't leave well enough alone. <laughs> right. It's like, I still have some money. I need to go uh, hunting for some more stuff. I started seeing people talking about how they uh, how they had RX 480s and were having uh, uh, FPS issues. I was like, oh, shit. I downloaded it, which actually took me a couple hours to download this because Wolfenstein is a fucking huge game. Yeah, it's big. The opening cutscene, it was bouncing between 60 to 40 FPS constantly. Well, that's not good. And and, th- and this isn't a pre-rendered cutscene. This is, you know, in-game, fo- uh, you know, and you're able to look around and uh, you're in a, like a, uh, a flying fortress, I think it was. Yeah, I've played Wolfenstein The New Order, although I've played it on Xbox, where it actually ran it. It was one of the only games that would run at 60 FPS. And it's a wonderful game. I'm really sad you couldn't play it. Yeah, it's uh, well, one of up until yeah, Doom, it was the best FPS I'd played in a long time. Yeah, uh, well, the thing is that I wasn't sure how it would run later on in the game. If the opening cutscene was dipping into the forties, uh, actually a couple times it dipped into the upper thirties. 
And I was testing it with MSI Afterburner once again, since I had it uh, already set up for, uh, because of my testing with the division from the previous week. And there was no bottlenecking. CPU was running, uh, you know, 50-ish percent, you know, which was about what you would expect for a, a game uh, that's not really CPU intensive. And the, uh, the GPU wasn't even taxed. Uh, the, the fucking fans weren't even spinning. It wasn't heating up the GPU at all. It's just the game sucks on uh, AMD hardware. Mm-hmm. And so I refunded it, which it makes me sad because I really wanted to play it. From everything I've heard, I would absolutely love this game. Yeah, it's that sucks. It's a great game. But, you know, sometimes it happens. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, my uh, experience with Wolfenstein. Tried it out. Uh, got. I didn't even get through the opening uh, sequence because I was realizing that I was... Ha- having some uh, severe FPS issues and realized that, yeah, this is going to be playable for me and refunded it. Yeah. Well, that is what the refund system exists for. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, I ex- exercised it twice during this, and I have two more games on my list. Care to guess which one it is <laughs> that I refunded as well? Oh, I don't know. It's going to be very It's going to be very tough for you to f- figure this one out. Actually, it is tough. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I was being sarcastic. I was well. I wasn't thinking. Like I saw Space Marine, and I was like, "Well, there's a million Warhammer games." But then I opened it up. So you refunded Celestial Command. Yeah, which we'll be talking about that. In yeah, we'll talk power. about that when we get to it. Um, so, okay, you're up. So my next game is Nomad Fleet. Nomad Fleet is hmm. What's the way to describe it? It's Someone looked at Homeworld, the, you know, Homeworld 1, Homeworld 2, and thought, you know what? I really like this game. I'd like to add some roguelike elements to it. Uh, and so that's uh, a developer basically built Homeworld and added an overworld map to it that you could go to after, you know, travel around between missions, uh, randomize the map, randomize all the encounters, and, uh, set it loose. And, it's got some really good stuff in it. It's got some really shit stuff in it. And this is a one-man dev team. Uh, so, I'm, tr- you know, I've given, given it some leniency in the stuff that's bad. The camera controls are pretty crappy. Um, and playing it, you think, oh, this is, you know, a game that's like Homeworld. Homeworld had a great interface. The interface for this game is, is kind of dog shit. <laughs> but the actual gameplay elements... And the ship construction and the way that the game actually plays out is a lot of fun. The so over- it's the Dwarf Fortress paradox where the UI is absolute shit, but it's a great game underneath it. It's just you have to try to either learn the interface or just trying to tough through it. Yeah, it looks really good for a one-person dev team. Um, so either he you know got some help for that, or he's pretty good at modeling. That, you know, the sci-fi designs look really good. It's got a pretty decent story. I mean, it, you know, it's a big space opera, basically. And there's this, you know, these big things that happen that move you from place to place. And that's kind of the, the overarching, you know, world. Um, and the maps are randomized and you have objectives that you have to get to and complete in order to win. And so far I haven't won. Uh, I completely got destroyed the first time because I was still fighting how, you know, how to learn the controls and things. Um, but after that, uh, I've, I've gotten pretty far. Uh, I'm almost, I'm like three jumps away from my main goal 
Um, and I've unlocked quite a few things. You start with one fleet known as the Nomad Fleet. Uh, and you can unlock different fleets as you play by completing special mission objectives or honestly just kind of stumbling upon things. Mm-hmm. And I've unlocked like a, uh, it's called the Experimental Fleet. And it's like super high tech and really powerful. Uh, and then there's two more fleets that I haven't discovered yet. So definitely some good replay value there. But yeah, really. It's and it's got some choose your own adventure stuff as well. Like they, you know, sometimes you'll warp into an area and there'll be nothing there, and it's like, oh, okay, I can you know mine the resources and build a few ships and repair and move on. Sometimes you jump in and there'll be like, you know, uh, trade ships and they're being attacked by pirates, and you can choose to assist the pirates and they give you a cut, or you can choose to protect the trade ships and um, if you do, they will. They might reward you. They might not. They might just take off because they're scared. But you know, whatever. And as you progress, you're re- you know, people have a reputation. They're like, oh, you're that fleet that did this thing, you know, whenever ago, and that might remove some of your options or might give you some additional options. Like I was just basically killing every pirate fleet I came across because they usually drop really good, uh, really good loot and salvage, uh, and. After two or three fleets that I destroyed, like, I came upon this pirate fleet that was mining an asteroid field. And they were like, oh, holy shit, you're that guy that's been wiping out all of our pirate fleets. Uh, we'll just leave. And so they left, and I got to mine the whole asteroid field and collect all the resources. <laughs> so it's it's got, you know, some reactive gameplay elements. There's alien races you can run into. Um, I've only found one, though. Supposedly, according to the, the in-game codex, there's several, but I've only ran into one so far. And they were warlike, and they were... I just ran away. They were like, oh, hey, uh, we don't, you're trespassing in our space. Um, we're just going to blow you up. And probably 15 capital ships jumped in, and I was like, well, thank God I'm far enough away that I think I can escape before they kill me. So, also, the whole game progresses. You know, it does like a real time thing. Uh, and you have, it does like the KSP thing. Like, everything is always moving in real time, and you can choose to accelerate time or not. Yeah. Which actually I kind of like because it makes you think really tactically. It's like, okay, it's going to take me 15 minutes for my ships to get over here. And yeah, sure, I can accelerate time. But that means it's going to take them 15 minutes to come back if I get in trouble or if I need to adjust my strategy. So it's overall, it's a really good game hampered by a crappy interface. So if you're like me and you can fight through it, I, you know, it's worth your time. And it's not very expensive either. I mean, regularly, it's only like 10 bucks. I got it on yeah, sale for, I think, $2. Uh, well, I'm seeing historic low three thirty nine uh, from uh, this past winter sale. So yeah. Okay, so th- yeah, three bucks. So Steam d- enhanced, uh, get it? I do have Steam enhanced, but I'm not. Excuse me, I'm actually not, on the store page. Yeah, I'm not on the store page. So it well, was, I was adding to my wish list because it does sound like something I'll enjoy. Uh, and uh, Dwarf Fortress have has proven that I can get past a crappy interface if there's a good game under it. Yeah, I really enjoy it. So. I'm going to put some more time into it, play some of the other fleets. Um, but I really want to complete the game with the first fleet. Because it, it's like, the first fleet is like a ragtag thing. And everything looks kind of weird and misshapen because it's, you know, storylized. Like, it's all supposed to be put together with scrap and, you know, duct tape. So, it's kind of cool to, like, watch, like, this scrap ship just blow up an alien. It's like, haha, fuck you. You underestimated me. But it, it sounds like a lot of fun. I wish I knew about this during the sale because I'd have I had enough money to pick it up. Yeah, but it does suffer from that roguelike thing where it's like on one of my playthroughs, I found well actually on my current playthrough. So my first playthrough or my first or second playthrough, I got just destroyed early on 
because I, you know, I just came up against enemies I couldn't beat. On my current playthrough, unlike my third system jump, I found an abandoned capital ship that had been, I forget what it was, like a virus had killed the crew or something like that. Mm. And we were able to capture it and, and, um, scrub the ship basically and, and clean the virus. And now I have a dreadnought. And so I just like pull up, sorry, and I'm like, ha, just, just die. Sup. So only like the toughest, you know, fleets are giving me trouble. That's why I've been wiping out pirate fleets because, you know, they're mostly fighters and little frigates and stuff. And they just, you know, get swatted out of the sky by my, you know, the equivalent of a superstar destroyer, basically. It's fun, though. It's fun. I like it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, well, we're sticking in space with uh, my next game. Uh, the like <laughs> approaching the one and a half hour mark. Yeah. Uh, Warhammer 40k Space Marine. This is uh, I finished up the game uh, actually a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's going out on my channel. Uh, actually, the final episode would have aired uh, by the time uh, this podcast comes out. Unless you're a cheeky little monkey, then it may be the same day. Yep. Uh, and. For everything that I liked about the game in the beginning, it started to wear on me towards the end of the game, particularly the clunkiness of it, because I liked the fact that, you know, it felt like you were in this a power armor, uh, but at the end of the game, it felt like they were rushing the uh, level design. So it uh, felt like the uh, hit geometry on some of the uh, columns and everything that you'd use for cover. Because this isn't a cover-based uh, uh, shooter where, you know, you dive into cover and, you know... Uh, uh, pop up uh, from behind it because you're a fucking tank essentially, right? But you could use uh, cover still, you know, uh, hide behind columns and that sort of thing. But it felt like the uh, hit detection was ever so slightly off, and I kept hitting these little invisible walls that just kept screwing with me. And also, the uh, the ending boss was a huge disappointment. It yeah. was a quick time event. Yeah, the ending really, because I, I can't remember. I, uh, not, not, not even the ending, because the ending was a huge cliffhanger for a second game that will never come out. Well, I hated the ending anyways, but the the last boss did kind of suck too. Yeah, yeah. building up to it, it you know, I was expecting this huge fight, and you get, I think it was four or five waves of very annoying enemies to kill. Yeah. Which I died several times on it. Uh, partly the first time I wasn't expecting it. The second time... Uh, I just got surrounded and I hit a, a visible wall. And for being uh, this huge tank, it's very easy for you to get stun locked. Yeah. And if you're just swarmed by melee enemies, you are dead. There's no way around it. So uh, about the third or fourth time, I was able to get through. And then I got to this cutscene and I was like, okay, now we're going to have this big, huge bat. Why are we diving off this fucking tower? Really? We're doing a, a we're, this is quick time. At first, I was really excited because I'm like, "Oh, this will be interesting," and then, "Oh, it's a quick time yeah, event. yeah." That, that's that's pretty much my uh, expectation because yo, know, it's this yo, know, you're falling down, you're shooting them at the, from a distance. And I thought, okay, this is gonna be cool. It's gonna be like a a bullet hell shooter where you're do uh, dodging around. No, uh, you get close to them and you just punch them in the face a few times, and then you dodge, and uh, then you uh, he knocks you off, and you do it again. Yeah. I will still say that the very beginning of the game, I absolutely loved. It felt, it just felt like the second, uh, well, not even the second half, like the, th like the third, last third of the game was rushed. And there was some platforming in the last third of the game that just didn't really click for me, that, uh, didn't feel like it really belonged. 
uh, which was a, a shame. Well, it's also a shame that they're never really going to touch the series again because, you know, it just didn't sell all that well. Yeah, it didn't do well. I mean, I bought it a long time ago for Xbox 360. No, I got it as a Christmas present like three or four years ago. The first Christmas that Katie and I were married, I got it as a Christmas present. I think my mother-in-law bought it for me. Oh. But, I mean, it was a really good game. It sounds like we pretty much agree with, uh, you know, the very beginning of the game is just amazing. and It's the, just this absolute huge power fantasy. And then uh, around the halfway point, it starts to get uh, rare on you. Yeah, it you're starts to get pretty fi- repetitive. Yeah, you're essentially fighting the same enemies over and over again. Also, uh, with, uh, sorry. Uh, well, uh, well, I was going to go back to Mad Max where it's the same thing where you're fighting the same enemies over and over again, but you, uh, and Mad Max are able to uh, break it up enough. But in this, they are not. Yeah, also, if I remember correctly, by the midpoint of the game, the you know, the mid to the kind of the second third, you've mm-hmm. got all the weapons and everything, right? Yeah. There's Yeah, so, you you know, you lose the, the newness that kind of is like, oh, I got this new weapon in this interesting situation where I should Yeah, use they it. kept trying to uh, push me to use the plasma weapons. As a matter of fact, I picked up a plasma pistol, and I never found the uh, standard bolter again, and I absolutely hated the plasma pistol. Yeah, I used the, let's see, I used the, the axe, um, whatever the big axe was for my melee weapon. Well, well, for the final fight, I actually had to swap to the chainsaw because the axe was too slow. I don't remember if I switched it on, because like I said, it's been several years, but I used the axe for most of the game, and the standard bolter, and then... What was the laser sniper? Uh, I don't recall. Whatever the laser rifle I was. I didn't use the laser rifle. I used I used pretty much all bolter uh, weapons. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the and honestly the the end of the game right up until the ending was great cuz all of the rest of your um What are they? The red guys. Uh Blood Ravens? The Blood Ravens. The Blood Ravens show up and it's like Oh, this is awesome. And then you get to that final battle and you're like, oh, this is garbage. Mm-hmm. And then the ending. Yeah, it just it just felt like it was rushed and they were setting up for the sequel that you know just never happened because of sales. Yeah. And then the stupid ending. He just is like, okay, fine, I'll submit. And I'm like, no, dude, don't submit. You have, like, you've been on this huge adventure. You've got people to support you and back you up with what you saw and what you did. Fight it. He's like, no, I'm going to submit. You can arrest me or whatever. Like, You're stupid. Well, I'd like to think that, you know, uh, in the second game, uh, you know, you're trying to prove your innocence or you're, you're being betrayed. Uh, really feels more like the story that they were going for. Yeah. Because you have your, uh, the, the one guy that supported you in your three-man squad dies. So you have this little asshole that, you know, uh, uh, supports, uh, the uh, Codex of Verbatim instead of the Spirit of the Codex. The Codex Astartes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he's this rule-touting asshole. Yeah. And he's the one that turned you in. Yep. And they have this huge uh, thing hanging over you that you're able to resist the touch of the Void, or uh, I think it was the Void, or the Warp, or whatever. I will admit that I'm not a huge uh, 40k uh, lore nerd, so I... Uh, maybe it's partly lost on me to begin with. But I, I did absolutely love the first, I would say, two-thirds of the game. It's just uh, the last third uh, felt like it just was a letdown. Yeah. And I would say that I would love to try the multiplayer, but there's really no one playing. And the people that 
you could find, uh, it will destroy shit. Yeah. Well, okay. So my next game, my second to last game, uh, is Transocean the Shipping Company. I actually bought the two-pack that had uh, the first and the second Transocean, but so far I've only played the first one. Um, this is a simulator-ish type game uh, where you are in charge of a uh, a shipping company, uh, like big container ships. And uh, you have to manage your company and grow your fleet and, you know, make money and have a reputation and, you know, good reputation, don't break the law, because you can ship, like, contraband and try and smuggle and stuff mm-hmm. with smaller ships. Or, I mean, heck, you could do it on big ships, too, but... Yeah, this reminds me of a game I used to love to, well, to try to play. I was never particularly good at it, called Port of Call. Yeah. Is that the old, or, like, it's That's a... the very old shipping game. Yeah, I think I've played and, that before. And I, and I never was able to do much in it, because every time... I was able to uh, control the ship well enough to uh, to dock it. Yeah. And uh, trying to use the tugs, it just, you know, sapped your uh, profit. So, yeah, was it worth it? Yeah. I'm you were using an absolutely huge ship, and, yeah, that's not available in the early game. Yeah, so far I've only played a free game, like, you know, uh, a free game on easy mode just to kind of learn things, um, you know, learn how to play. Um, and I'm doing okay, but again, I'm playing on easy mode. So they're like, there's no penalties if you miss a shipping window and the tugs, they still cost money, but it's like minuscule. It's like a hundred thousand bucks to use a tug, which I mean, that sounds like a lot, but most of the shipping orders that you have in easy mode are worth, you know, a million plus per order. So, you know, you cut 200,000 of that one for a tug at each end of the, the route and you're still making tons of money. But I mean, I'm basically just kind of getting the, the hang of how to play. Um, as your shipping company grows, you can expand like to other parts of the world and get really big ships and, and things like that. So there's also a, a career mode, which I'm going to check out because I've got a handle on how to play. Uh, so now it's just kind of refining. It does. I do hate the stupid mini game though, when you have to dock and undock your ship, which is the main reason I use tugs every time. Yeah. It just is time consuming, but I mean, you know, on, on higher difficulties, I'm sure you have to use it. And I haven't played the second one yet. I want to complete the career of the first game before I play the second one, but supposedly the second one is superior in every single way. Yeah, I'm just looking at the reviews for the second one. There's absolutely a ton of negative reviews for it, though. Are there really? Yeah. The first one has yeah, mixed reviews. Yeah, and so does the second one, but it's at 42%. Okay. Let's see. Multiplayer is pretty much dead. Well, I don't care about the multiplayer, though. I don't really see how uh, gameplay being exactly the same as the first is particularly a bad thing. I mean, the first one's gameplay is great, unless there's something that comes up a little bit later on that I haven't got to that sucks. Aside mm-hmm. from that little mini game, which is kind of frustrating, it's fine. And I mean, once you get more than one ship and you're running multiple routes, I couldn't imagine, even on a higher difficulty, needing to, to play the mini game for every ship. One, it would be time con- so time-consuming, and two you would be making a lot more money with multiple ships. I mean, as soon as I bought my second ship, which was roughly twice the size of my first ship, I like I didn't even start paying attention to trying to optimize my routes anymore. I was making so much money with the second ship. Yeah, but you're also uh, running in uh, essentially free play mode. So True, but I would imagine that with two ships, you could stop doing the minigame at that point. 
And they're not that expensive either to buy a second ship. You just buy a, a used ship instead of a brand new one. No problemo. But who knows? Yeah. Haven't got to it yet. So yeah, Transocean. I like it. Fun game. Your turn. Okay, well, uh, still a fun game, but severely, severely flawed. Celestial Command. And this is the second game that I refunded in the winter sale. Mostly because it has the same growing pains that KSP did, but it is wholly unplayable right now, or at least it was for me. Uh, remember back in KSP when there were the Phantom Forces that were acting on the ships? And yeah, uh, uh, this is a, a game that's also built on Unity. It's essentially, well, well, I should say what it is first. It's essentially a step between simple rockets and KSP, where you're, uh, Actually, I'm not sure if there's a real story to it. It's just, you know, sort of a sandbox game where you're a ship that uh, you're controlling a ship and you're able to go mine stuff, go shoot enemies, uh, build up your uh, fleet. Essentially, you're able to control multiple ships and just, you know, really go dick around uh, dock with stations, that sort of thing. And it's having the same growing pains that KSP did uh, with its unity because... Uh, there's some phantom forces going on in this game that is just making the game utterly unplayable. Let's put it this way. One of the first missions that you get, or have an option to uh, do, is uh, to dock with uh, a recharging station, which is this a station with this absolutely massive solar array to recharge your batteries, which this game has uh, life support in it. So you have to actually be very proactive in what you're doing and uh, build up your ship uh, quite a bit to handle more life support for your crew. Well, the station, um, kind of dropped out of orbit and crashed into the planet. <laughs> okay. So I thought, hmm, that's weird. So I start up a new game because you only have a handful of uh, stations in your system and the station or the system is procedurally generated. So every time you have a different system, which is kind of nice. Second time, yeah, the station didn't drop out of orbit, and I was reading the forums that it has the rounding errors that KSP used to have, and that was causing the stations to vary their orbits enough that it would eventually hit the atmosphere of the uh, planet, and then just, you know, drop out of orbit. Okay, so, new plan, not time warp that far. You know, two exit most. Right. Uh, so, go through this, uh, 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 and uh, dock with the recharging station just to see you know, how hard it is to dock, which I was able to do fairly easily. Uh, well, the big thing was that they started me in an absolutely terrible position to get to the recharging station, so I had to drop my orbit to kind of just uh, uh, catch up to it enough. Uh, dock to the recharging station, and then the station and me start spinning. And uh, the station is just going absolutely nuts trying to stabilize the spin. Right. And it's just spinning faster and faster and faster. And I could see it trying to stabilize the spin, but the phantom forces between my ship and the station were just adding further and further to it. So it's like, okay, this isn't working. I decouple, uh, and it slingshots me into the sun. <laughs> that does suck, but it's quite funny. Yeah, I had enough Delta B to, B to barely miss the sun, but I didn't stick with it because it would have pretty much burnt me up. And I didn't have enough fuel to, you know, try to dock anywhere. Right. And the station itself, uh, uh, once it, once I decoupled, I'm not sure why, but 
it uh, left the planet's orbit, and then it, uh, the planet caught it again, and did the, like this gravity break, and was flinging it to another planet. <laughs> it's a beautiful ballet. Interesting. And at that point, I just uh, refounded it. I I didn't discover this game until I looked at it on your list. If I had known it existed before the sale, I would have bought it in a heartbeat. It's on my wish list now. Yeah, it's I, I refunded it and I put it back on my wish list to check it out once it leaves the alpha states. Because right now, it, it's still in heavy development. So it's one of those games that maybe I should have held on to. But at the same time, it's utterly unplayable right now. And I, I understand uh, games in early access having bugs. But at the same time, have it where the station fucking throws me into the sun is a little more than a slight bug. Yeah. Next time it's on sale, I'm going to buy it. Heck, it's only 10 bucks. I might buy it now. Yeah, it was down to uh, eight something uh, during the winter sale. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, a game in early access, like early, early access, probably wouldn't go on sale for much uh, It was something that. that looked interesting and... I like the idea of it being a step between uh, simple rockets where it's still a 2D plane, but it's actually a lot more complex because you have to deal with life support and you, and the big thing is building up your ship to go do other stuff. Right. It's, uh, it's sort of almost the no man's sky formula where you're building up your thing to do other things. Well, in this case, you're building up your ship to go to other planets, to mine other asteroids, to build up your ship. Granted, there's, going to be more later but right now that's it right well, it and says- also the astro and the asteroids have different uh, minerals on them as well and each mineral uh and stuff require uh, unlocks different things and- yeah i'm in i'm in <laughs> building a spaceship to go mine things like the object of the game build a spaceship to mine things better i'm in yeah and i do like how they have it where it's uh, the ships are essentially legos like in ksp but there's also this linking system where you're uh, uh, putting together all the fuel uh, uh, tanks to uh, filter down to the uh, the engine, and it it looks like it could get very very complex. Is that what all these little like I'm looking at the screenshots? I actually all, opened up all the these store little page. dotted lines. Yeah, is that what all those are? Yeah, those are uh, links. Okay, yeah, I'm in. Um, I'm very disappointed that it's uh, pretty much unplayable right now. I mean, it does look very good. Yeah, I'll probably buy this game tomorrow. <laughs> I just wish that it was more playable right now. Or at least uh, more playable by me, because I'm not sure if you know, other people are having this issue. Right. It might be something unique to well, AMD well, hardware, or to your particular system build, or whatever. Well, I'm not the only one that was complaining about it, because other people were complaining about ship or stations dropping out of orbit as well. Right. And uh, there is no maneuver node planner, but the thing is that if you played KSP enough that you could get in the ballpark of a Holman transfer, you should be able to uh, uh, do it well enough here because it is a lot more forgiving on Delta V. What's really the uh, limiting factor, as far as I can tell at this time, is life support. Yeah. Well, plus it says here that it's on a 2D plane. So, yeah. I mean, that's like, that's easy. Yeah. You play KSP for a couple hundred hours, you, you've you got a 2D plane transfer is easy. I can do the the mun in my sleep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. The big thing is uh, that life support. You can see uh, in the screenshots like half an hour, 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but granted, uh, I think that there's ways to generate life support uh, off station. 
uh, and you can uh, build a ship to uh, essentially run between your big miner and uh, your uh, at the station to uh, uh, as a cargo hauler. Yeah, I'm in. I'm definitely going to buy this game later. No sense in doing it tonight because I have to go to bed because I have to go back to the clinic tomorrow, but <laughs> I'm going to buy it. Yeah, it's just you have a bigger tolerance for broken games than I do. It's I something do. I'm going to pick up again later. F5 least, for safety. Well, I don't think it has an F5 system. It's uh, pretty much uh, just a... Uh, you're essentially, even in single player, you're running a server. And this has multiplayer, by the way. Ooh. Interesting. All right. So yeah, maybe, uh, maybe once this is more stable, there could be a, uh, a Friday night streaming thing. Yep, I'm in. Which uh, I thought about sending you a something from uh, Tabletop Simulator as a, a Friday night thing, but... I wanted to talk to you about it, but we weren't able to even talk during the winter sale. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, well, um, so that was your last game. This is my last game. Uh, Inevitability. Um, this is a little... Yeah, this uh, is something I've never heard, even heard one of. Or t- you know, one or two person indie game. Um, you start out as a drone, basically. You're a little drone, and you're on a planet... And you have to mine the planet to get materials so that you can build a ship. Well, I see why you have this game. And then you just use that ship to mine materials faster. And then you can build another ship or a bigger ship and so on and so forth. And it's got um, small procedurally generated uh, galaxies. And basically you start from nothing. You build a fleet. You go kill all the AI and conquer the galaxy and then do it again. And it's got, you know, a Lego block building system for your ships and stations and things, and you just do that so over and over. this is essentially <laughs> my last game. Yeah, but um, a, a lot simpler. Because, I mean, yeah. there's no there's no real physics. Um, stuff uh, has inertia. So, you know, if you stop firing your thrusters, you'll keep going for a little bit. But, I mean, you, you know, you s- slow down, stop eventually, so... I mean, it's yeah, not. See, uh, yeah, in uh, my game, there's a, uh, uh, well, single body physics. So, or, or should say two body because it is your ship and whatever planet you're in the sphere of influence of. So, very KSP like. Yeah. So, uh, whenever you're given a mission to destroy an enemy, it could actually be very tough if you don't have a good orbit for it. Yeah. It, yeah, there's, well, there's none of that. And this is, you know, completely open world, so you do whatever. Build up your fleet, go kill aliens. It's fun. I've played it for a little while. Um, I did the tutorial, which takes a while, because you don't get out of the drone in the tutorial, so it takes you a long time to mine resources. Uh, and then I started one game and got killed in, like, 20 minutes. Because I was like, I built a little ship. I'm going to go explore my little my little galaxy. And then I ran into someone who immediately killed me, and I lost. I was like, okay, I should probably no, you're stay on my planet. For longer next time, but I just I haven't played it again yet. So, I mean, but this game does have things like life support and stuff like that as well. So, I mean, it does have that element. You know, you have to mine things to refill your life support and all that jazz. But it's a lot more simple yeah. than than what you just described with Celestial Command. So, but it's still fun. It's super cheap too. Even uh, even normally, it's only five bucks. Uh, it was two bucks on the sale, so fun game. Uh, and that's my last one. So, uh, 
Yeah, we've uh, finally gotten through it. At an hour and 50 minutes. You know what that means? It's time for a bathroom break. <laughs> so, I will be right back. All right. So we're back after our bathroom break uh, to finally talk about Crimson Skies. Yeah, we're only a couple weeks late on this. Yeah, it'll be fine. Thankfully <laughs> for our next game when we get to the voting, we've both played it before, so basically we just need a refresher. Yeah, so I, I want to talk about it now. <laughs> well, I need a refresher, but the shorter time between this game club and next one won't hurt us too much. Well, also, it's a game that really uh, doesn't need that much time to begin with. But, yes, okay, Crimson Skies. Uh, I remember this game more fondly uh, than playing it. Although a lot of my problems were tech-related because this is an Abandonware game from, like, yeah, it's what, the year 2000? Very, very yeah, it's a very old game. I, uh, for me, it refilled all the nostalgia. Looking at it a little bit more critically these days than I was when I played it the first time, I did have a couple of small problems, mostly... Uh, my biggest problem is that there's no throttle indicator anywhere that I could find. And there was a couple times that I dropped my throttle to try to get behind someone, and I forgot I dropped it or dropped it further than I thought. And the only way to really tell how far your throttle was dropped was uh, just by the engine sounds, and because everybody chatters so fucking much, it's really hard to pick out your engine sound at times. So I dropped out of the sky a couple times. <laughs> Right. So let me explain to you. Let me let me regale you with well, the well, tale. Well, we really should say uh, what Crimson Skies is first for those who haven't played it. Crimson Skies is an alternate history, uh, uh, depression era, uh, a dogfighting game where you're playing Nathan Zachary, leader of the fortune hunters, uh, on the path for uh, treasure and debauchery, essentially. Yeah. And, the, uh, and you fly around in a giant Zeppelin called the Pandora. Yeah. And the game at the time did a lot of really neat, interesting things. I don't know if it was the first to have, like, customizable aircraft and things like that that you could choose to fly uh, on your adventure. Or at least customizable to this degree. Yeah. Because it, you had your weapon loadout, your armor loadout, uh, uh, cosmetic uh, changes. You could do a lot of stuff with the customization, and even to this day, you don't have that much yet you could do in uh, these dogfighting games. Yeah, I mean, certain games have, have done it, I think, pretty well, but by and large, they don't. So, I mean, Crimson Skies was good at that. The story, excuse me, was really, really good for the time. I mean, heck, it's still good by today's standards, I think. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the early game, it's really disconnected, but it does uh, start pulling things together later on. Granted... I didn't get far enough in to get to, that, to that point on my refresh, and uh, originally when I played it, I didn't get far enough to finish the game. I finished but the I, game a long time ago, but uh, I only got through two missions on my refresh. Oh, see, I got through about a dozen. <laughs> yeah, well, let me explain why I only did got through two you missions. You had the plague. Let me, well, no, it's not even that. Let me regale okay, you with the tale. here we go. So I downloaded the Abandonware game, uh, got it. Working really quickly, no problems and on that respect, getting the game to run. Um, but uh, once it went to run, I I couldn't get it to to run at a modern frame rate. It wouldn't recognize my graphics card. It wouldn't like I I tried um, turning off my 480 and running it through integrated graphics, 
uh, that didn't work. So I just, you know, went back to the 480 and left it. Uh, couldn't get out of couldn't get it out of 640 by 480. So that left my options being playing it in a a, a tiny window, a stretched window where things were kind of visible but also looked kind of bad, or playing it full screen where everything looked like hot garbage. But at least I could see what I was doing. I'll so. see for me. Uh, uh, the menus were still this little uh, window, but it was in the corner. But then once I got into the proper gameplay, it ran at a perfect 1080 uh, 60 FPS. Uh, nope, I had frame rate issues. Um, I, it never dipped below 30, so you know I could handle it. I you know I just accepted it as old game problems. But whatever, yeah. you know I I even could have handled the the way that it looked because I mean I don't care about looks. Everything was still readable. It was fuzzy, but it was still readable. So I could have gotten through you know reading yeah reading stuff and and looking at what was going on that was no problem where my problem came in was that i thought well okay it's a long shot but maybe it'll work with my joystick didn't work with my joystick was you know yeah that was a bit of a disappointment for me originally the first time i booted up it actually detected my uh dualshock 4 controller and was handling it like a joystick granted only one thumbstick was working because it didn't know wait what the hell is a second uh uh, set of axes doing (laughs) But, you know, it would have been uh, good enough. I don't know what happened in between the first time I loaded up and the second time, but it just refused to work. Yeah. So instead, I had to use, uh, well, I tried using the mouse joystick or the mouse uh, uh, controls. And even turning down the DPI on my mouse all the way and uh, filling with the controls there, it was just way too fidgety. Yeah. So I eventually had to go with keyboard only and... Uh, that's not exactly ideal. Granted, there is a lot of aim assist in this. I'm not sure if you noticed that, but how much aim assist is in this game? Yeah. Well, you okay, don't have to so- go uh, directly on, or at least uh, in uh, keyboard mode. But if you're uh, close enough, it uh, just nudges it, which uh, I could understand. But at the same time, if I was playing with a controller or a joystick, uh, I hope that's not uh, you know enabled because yeah, that's kind of taking all the real challenge out of it, even though the real challenge of this game for me was uh, some of the secondary objectives that kept popping up during the missions. Right. So anyways, back to my story. Uh, it didn't recognize my joystick. I wasn't expecting it to, so that was okay. I figured it would recognize my controller, though. Nope. Didn't recognize my controller. So then I got my Steam controller, and I was like, well, it'll, it should recognize my Steam controller, because the Steam controller basically works like a mouse. Nope. Wouldn't recognize my Steam controller. So I was like, okay. Was you try to run it through uh, Steam at this point? I tried running it through a bunch of ways, but you can basically use the Steam controller to emulate mouse and keyboard uh, in just like desktop mode. So I was thinking, okay, I'll use the Steam controller to emulate mouse and keyboard, but that didn't work. Yeah, that's why I was a little shocked about the uh, DualShock not uh, being picked up. Well, after the first time playing is that uh, without uh, any secondary software running or Steam picking up the uh, uh, the controller or uh, running an emulation for the Xbox uh, controller, it runs as a direct input, essentially an old school joystick. Right, but that didn't so work. That's why. Uh, that's why older games will usually pick it up. Right, and the Steam controller does the same thing, but that didn't work. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll just use regular mouse and keyboard. It can't be that bad. Well, it would recognize my mouse. So I thought, well, wait, what? It wouldn't recognize uh- my mouse, not even in the menu. So I thought, okay. That's, okay, that's fucking weird. Uh, well, you have a wireless mouse. Maybe that's causing an issue? I'll, I'll get there. 
I thought, okay, well, it might just be my mouse. You know, my Logitech gaming mouse has got a ton of stuff. What if I just switch over to my – because I've got a plain backup mouse. So I switched over oh, to that. Here, I'm, I'm going to infuriate you now. You want to know how I was playing? With your mouse? Keyboard and using the numpad on my mouse. <laughs> God. I was so – I was I was pissed off yeah, when I, had I was like, done uh, with all of this. Let's see if I recall the controls uh, correctly. I had – uh, like G6, or sorry, G9 and G12 going between enemies. G15, G16 going through allies. G10, G11 changing uh, machine gun. G13, G14 changing rockets. My mouse and works working. and I have a lot of buttons. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm a little shocked that your Logitech mouse wasn't working. It bro, didn't work. Because Mine was working flawlessly. It didn't work, so I switched over to a regular mouse. Well, I mean, it's still a wireless mouse. So I switched over to a wireless mouse. Didn't work. I thought, then I had your thought, like, okay, maybe it's because my mouse is wireless. Maybe there's something weird about that. So I went and I dug through my old pile of stuff that I just keep in case I ever need it, grabbed my old USB wired mouse, plugged it in, didn't work. So then I was like, okay, maybe it just doesn't like USB stuff, but I don't have an old PS2 mouse. So I went searching. So this is how it is to be on the other side of the tech uh, problems. Yeah. So I went searching online for help. And there were some other people that had had this problem and they were like, just run the game, you know, start your computer and run it in safe mode and everything should work fine in safe mode. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I started my computer in safe mode and the mouse worked. The, the joystick and the controller didn't work. The, not, neither of the controllers, but the mouse worked. So I was like, okay, I can just play the game in safe mode. That's fine. Uh, no problem. So I load up the game. Mouse is working in the menus. I get into... The first mission, and the plane just like, so I was using the, the mouse as a joystick. The plane, my plane just went crazy, spinning out of control everywhere. Yeah, like I said, uh, well, like I was saying is that the uh, modern mice are just way too fidgety with it. I'm, I think it's just designed for the old uh, ball mouse. Ball mouse. Where they're, where they're a lot less sensitive. Yeah. So I went through all of my mouses again. I didn't have that thought process. Actually, I didn't have that thought process until just now. So I thought it was broken. <laughs> so I went through all of my that, mice, and it that, didn't that's work. The first thing I did uh, uh, was well. The first thing I did was I uh, had my mouse set up where I'll go through five different levels of uh, DPI, and I immediately dropped it down. And it was still it was still really fidgety, but it was a little bit more flappable. Uh, so that's where I thought, yo. Know, it's not meant for modern mice. They're way, way too sensitive. Yeah. So, so I went through that, and then I went. You know what? It works with the keyboard. I will just play it keyboard only. It's not optimal, but I can turn the difficulty down, and I'll get used to it after a few missions. I only have wireless keyboards in my house, and they would work fine for about five minutes, and then the game would just go. I don't, there's no keyboard here. I don't know what to do. <laughs> every, like, every five to ten minutes. And, like, the one time that it didn't happen that I got to play, I beat two missions. The first two missions, and I was like, I can't stand this. I can't, I can't stand it. I'm so pissed off at it, and I don't like the keyboard only controls. I'm done. I'm just going to tell this story on the podcast. I will be raged for this episode with all of my issues and my angry pants. Fuck it. And I've been oh. sitting on those feelings for like two weeks now. <laughs> Feels good though. Well, Feels good I'm to, glad to you bitch. Let it out. 
like bounce well, the problem with the like, with the keyboard controls is that they're so fidgety with the more agile airplanes. Whenever you're on the mission to steal the blue streak, about I would say five or six missions in, yeah, where you unlock the nitro boost on your uh, aircraft, or at least that particular one, I think it unlocks it. Uh, the uh, build uh, orders that uh, you're able to build your custom airplanes that you could get nitro boost a few missions later after that. Uh, it's just so fidgety with it. It. it I wish uh, stealing something from KSP is that the keyboard controls were like in the refined control. And so instead of immediately going from center stick to, uh, you know, full right or full left, it would, you know, do a general curve. Yeah. You can find adjustments more easily that way. But no. Yeah. I mean, the game is 15, 16 years yeah, it, old. It's, it, it was, uh, it was in an era where joysticks, where joysticks were still pretty much standard issue for, most PC gamers. Mm-hmm. And until the 360 era, that's when uh, controllers really started becoming more ubiquitous because that's when everything sort of kind of standardized because all the games that were coming from the Xbox 360 were supporting the 360 pad right out of the box. And they were still fairly cheap. Right. So, I mean, that's... I did not get... I didn't have a good experience, but are there any areas of the game that you'd like to focus on to talk about? Because uh, I mean, I, I do would like have to talk about some of the things that pop up during the missions. Because I had uh, the mission where you're assaulting the airfield. I must have replayed that a uh, half a dozen times because, okay, you're assaulting uh, this uh, giant posse essentially that's uh, forming up to go after you, uh, and you're assaulting their uh, uh, blimp that is bored, and your uh, uh, lady friend goes in and sabotages it, so the blimp is unable to take off, so it's a sitting duck. Right. And the idea is that you have to get three of the four targets on the side of the blimp enough damage on them, which is pretty easy to do, actually, with a rocket. Which, uh, the first time I played it, I didn't really use rockets all that much. This time, I abused the Emperor Living Hell out of rockets, and if you have a plane with enough uh, hard points on it, which I built one that had a little bit more hard points you could just uh, uh, wreck shit with them <laughs> which which mission was it uh this was the one that you fought uh powered and blake in i can't remember the name right off the hand uh off hand of the uh mission itself i'm looking through the list of the missions like just just look uh defend the pandora because that's the sub objective that pops up about well as soon as you hit the uh zeppelin uh, enemy aircraft spawn and start attacking the Pandora. And the way uh, you take out blimps in this, or either uh, there's usually some sort of target or something on the blimps uh, uh, envelope where you're able to knock them down enough to uh, uh, destroy the blimp, or you take out their engines, and the engines are fucking fragile. And I kept losing the Pandora because it would lose too many engines and wouldn't be able to escape. And now it's a get, uh, that's a mission over, and you have to restart, and there's no checkpoints in these missions. Granted, the missions are usually, I'd say, five to ten minutes long, usually. Is, that seems about right. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, five to ten minutes. I yeah, mean, there's a couple longer ones, uh, particularly uh, the, some of the ones that uh, focus on stunt flying, which is absolutely abysmal on keyboard. Yeah, which was another one of the reasons I got so frustrated and quit, because the second mission's a stunt mission. Uh, well, the second mission can be a stunt mission, but you don't have to. You ha- you have to. You have to complete all the objectives and do everything. You do if you're me. Uh, 
Yeah, see, I didn't uh, do all the stun objectives. I would do a couple of them that were easy enough for the extra cash. But honestly, the extra cash just, it wasn't enough to jeopardize the mission. Yeah, I was just like trying to amuse myself, like try and make it fun. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do all the stun objectives too. That was a bad idea. Boy, this is like uh, the inverse of Skyrim. <laughs> I really, I because I absolutely love this game, and I will probably keep it installed and play it uh, on and off for uh, for the next few months to uh, finally beat it. I genuinely uh, like the game. But it's one of those but things that I... it is very, very finicky. Yeah, but I absolutely love the style of this game. That that's one thing I I think that's what I really miss most about this game is that. It has style oozing from it. The moment that opening theme starts up when you hit uh, the uh, the Uh-oh. main screen and hit the uh, main menu, it just is absolutely amazing. Uh, welcome back. Hello. It just said call dropped. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I completed my thought. Uh Whenever I heard the uh, call drop. Okay. Let's do... I was talking about... Uh, well, I didn't stop recording. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't stop. Okay. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, just how much it oozes its uh, uh, theme and uh, its style. Just that opening theme and uh, just that bombastic attitude that Nathan Zachary has. This... What would you call the... The theme? It's like... It feels very Western in space, or not in space. Gosh, that's Firefly. Very Western in the sky. Well, with it's some an steampunk stuff to it that, as well. That's the thing. It's alternate history where during the Great Depression, the United States fractured. Right. Into, it's, into the different nations. So, uh, I would say, um, uh, alternate history is really probably the best way to describe it because there's no really way that you could describe it otherwise. I suppose just like the physical or the, the styling of everything, the way that everything looks, it feels very Western to me. Yeah. Uh, well, well, it's a pirate game uh, uh, at the heart of it. Right. Right. That's true. So that's going to be part of it. It's just where it's uh, pirates, you know, yeah, grand, they're sky pirates, but it's, at the same time, they're pirates. So it's just instead of a nautical theme, it's an aeronautical theme. Still has the word nautical in it. Would space yeah, be ast- would space be astronautical? Mm. I have to look that up now. <laughs> I'm sorry, but where they were using some of the concept designs uh, for possible aircraft as well, kind of uh, makes it feel more fantastical. Uh, the fact that zeppelins are still flying around because. Really, after the Hindenburg, that put the end to the Zeppelin era. Yeah. I've seen old World's Fair stuff, how they imagine, like, giant Zeppelins, like, docking and, you know, at, at up to skyscrapers yeah. and stuff. That that Well, that's what the Empire State Building, that's the uh, giant tower on it. Is it that was really? Des- that was designed to uh, dock Zeppelins. I did not I know that. Them. That's cool. By the way, astronautical is correct for space. All right. Yeah, it's just they built all this. Uh, st- uh, yeah, and a matter of fact, there's. Oh, here's a picture of the Empire State Building with 
a Zeppelin dock to it. <laughs> That's amazing. I never knew that. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, uh, basically what would have happened if the Hindenburg didn't happen and scared people off of Zeppelins. Right. You know, a Scott carriers, essentially. That's so cool. <laughs> I never knew that. I like looking at, at pictures online or on Google right now. You thought I was making it up, didn't you? I didn't think you were making it up. I just never heard that before. Oh, here's one in color. I should stop. <laughs> I should stop. We should. <laughs> but it's just uh, the theme is very out there. There's nothing really like it, even uh, today. Uh, 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 the theme just alternate histories in this time frame just don't exist. Have Have you ever seen Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? No, I imagine that's probably about the closest that you're going to get to. Yeah, Scott's the movie though. Yeah, even though that's more steampunkish than this, isn't it? A uh, little bit, a little bit, but I mean, it's still as close as you're going to get. Like, it's a bad movie, but. It's also like the only movie that exists, so it's like you just have to love it. Yeah, I don't know. I have a. It's it's fun. I kind of want to go watch it, it right it, now. Yeah, it, yeah. I know that they did make a sequel to this, but the thing is that they also kind of lost the spirit of the game. They made it. Well, they made it Xbox only, original Xbox only. Right. They uh, uh, put in turret sections if I've uh, read the reviews correctly, which just uh, sucked all the joy out of the game. They did. I've played that one as well. Yeah, well, I imagine you could talk about it a lot more than me since I'm uh, basically just going off reviews because I never had an original Xbox. So go for it. Yeah, I mean, they put in turret sections where you would have to defend uh, either, you know, a tower or a Zeppelin or whatever, or you would be like the tail gunner on another plane. And that was... You know, it kind of sucked, but I think that the spirit of the first game is there in Crimson Skies too. but they tried to, what's the right way to say it, go a little more mainstream with it, I guess, and put in things like that. The customization is scaled back a little bit too, which really sucks because that's what made the first one. But I, if I remember correctly, it had more planes. So even though you had less customization options, you had more planes. So it kind of evened itself out. Yeah, I will say that if you don't know what you're doing, you can screw yourself big time uh, on the single player campaign because you could build a couple aircraft and that's about all the money that you have for a while, unless you're doing all the stunt stuff, uh, which you may be able to scrape enough for a third plane. Right. And if you waste your money on a, a plane that doesn't work well, you're kind of screwed because you're stuck with it. You can sell it off, but you're not getting back what you're... Uh, yeah, putting in naturally. So, if I remember correctly, uh, Crimson Skies Two like gives you the planes, and so you have mm -hmm. access to all the planes like as soon as you unlock them. Uh, and then the money gets spent specifically on the customizations. So even if you make bad choices, you do get better planes, or you have other planes that could still do the job without additional customization. So they kind of took care of that in that way, if I'm remembering properly. But. High Road to Revenge. <laughs> Which, since when are there roads and skies? <laughs> well, outside of Back to the Future. Uh, Star Wars, the prequels. I thought we don't uh, acknowledge those. 
So, I just wish that they made games like this still. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, well, the closest that you get is the indie scene, but even then, you know, you don't have a flight sim like this. I, I, I can't even think of one that even approaches this. No, nothing that I've ever seen has. There might be something out there, but if there is, I'm not aware of it. But let, let me just say that wave of nostalgia as soon as the uh, opening uh, theme hit, just oh. Just amazing music in it. It does have a good soundtrack. The sound design in general is really good. Although, a lot of games... Yeah, I will say that... I will say that uh, gameplay-wise, uh, uh, and this does uh, uh, relate to the sound design, is that you can get a lot of over-information because all your wingmen and uh, squad mates will say, you know, bogey uh, yeah, at uh, 5 o'clock... But bogey coming up, you had uh, twelve o'clock, and they uh, will do it at regular intervals. But the thing is that they'll rattle off all the plans that are trying to lock in on you, and there's usually two or three. Uh, so it's just information overload, right? Uh, that's something I really didn't like. It was just they would uh, rattle off so many plans that yeah, you know, by the time they uh, got to the end, uh, a couple times they started rattling them off again. So, Oh, and also the AI also crashed into me a couple times because whenever there's nothing going on, they kind of just try to form up around you uh, into a well into a formation or into the, like the swirling mass of death <laughs> airplanes, and they actually hit me a couple times <laughs> when I was in level flight, not accelerating, just yeah, you know, level controlled flight. I got rammed a couple times and actually lost a mission a couple times because they uh, knocked off enough armor. And I was not happy. <laughs> Sad day. But that's just going back to how old the game is, and it had very rudimentary uh, AI. And also, it's uh, well, it's just a different era, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, like we said, 15, 16 years old. A lot of time has passed, and game design has come a long way since then. I mean, hell, uh, there's gamers out there that weren't even born when this game came out, and they're on uh, Call of Duty right now. Yeah, very true. Doesn't that make you feel old? <laughs> a little bit, but I'm still pretty young, so... I'll just, uh, you know, ignore that for now. Um, so, anything else to talk about on this? Well, I mean, I you know, I, I want to make it known that I do like this game. I've played it before and enjoyed it a lot. I just had a lot of technical problems trying to play, you know, a 15, 16 year old game on yeah, which modern comes with the territory when you go to abandoned where stuff that's just this old. Yeah, and you know sometimes it happens, and I just which maybe next time, yeah, maybe next time we set up that has an abandoned where title in it uh, for the choosing or the voting, I guess I should say. Is that we should make sure that we could run all the games beforehand. We Yeah, we probably should do that. Because I didn't think that you would have this much issue. I mean, I just, you know, I drew the, you know, the I guess the winning lottery ticket for shitty performance. You know, something about my hardware configuration, I'm sure. Just, you know, didn't work. Well, I will say that the first time I installed it, it wasn't running all that well. So I got a secondary copy from another site. Uh, and ran all the patches again, and it worked fine. So maybe it was just that. No, I tried that. 
I left that out of my story, but I tried copies from like three different sites. Or the other option I could have done, uh, if I knew that you were having issues and you told me, was I could have just zipped up the copy that I had and dropped it in Dropbox for you. I thought about it, but then I thought it would be funny for me to just like bitch for once. So, uh, Especially after I bitched about Skyrim. Yeah. Uh, I also tried it on my SSD, like thinking maybe for some reason it just like, but no. I didn't didn't do anything. Ah well. Weird. Say lovey. Okay, what are we at? Two twenty four minus some time for the break. Two twenty. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're fine. Let us. So it's time for uh, to reveal the next game club game. That's right. Well, first I'm gonna slice in Ghost Sharks a little bit where he talked about Crimson Skies in his audio letter. That's gonna go here, and then after that, will be the voting. Uh, also, to keep things short and easy, and editing-wise for me and whoever is going to re- edit this, uh, I'll go ahead and throw in my little review of Crimson Skies as well. Um, hopefully, this is being done all in one episode, so... Or I'm recording this for the right episode, but if not, well, oops. Um, I didn't actually get a chance to play it because of time, you know, with the holidays and stuff, or me being lazy or, you know, a combination of the two. But uh, I do have very fond memories of my time playing Crimson Skies. I, the, the story, the at the time, the graphics were great. Um, they were... I'm, I'm not sure of the technologies and stuff, but I do remember it being kind of cutting-edge graphics for its time. Um the the gameplay was amazing you know it was smaller scale uh combat it was it was arcadey with a little bit of real you know just enough realism mixed into it for me um realism in terms of an ultimate reality game where a bunch of crazy designs that never was you know that never were were flying through the air um but anyway I, I just, it was one of my favorite games of the time, and I really need to get back to it. Like I said, unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not getting back to it in time to have anything really useful to say on this podcast, but, you know, there you go. Um, I just, I'm kind of at a loss of what to say. My, my memories are good, they're just hazy, and I can't really remember much. I do remember, uh, in later playthroughs, because I've, I've gone through that game several times, um, I remember in later playthroughs, one of the things I tried to do was grab one of the smaller, more maneuverable fighters. I want to say it was the Fury or the Bloodhawk. I can't remember which one. But uh, figuring out a way to strap on like a 70 millimeter or the, the 70 cal cannon. It might have been dropped down to a 60, just because it got a little crazy, but yeah, strapped on like a 60 or 70 caliber cannon with like a couple of 30s and just being a literal glass cannon, you know, not having much in the way of defense or armor, but let me get a shot on somebody and they're going to drop, you know, and, and having fun doing that. The uh, the missions where you're flying the little Ford hoplite, the little chopper thing, in the city were some of the most maddeningly fun missions I've ever played or flight things I've ever done. 
you know, just having that tiny little thing, having to zip it through some of the tight little corners that you had to in order to get all the little uh, rare drops or whatever. That was a thing, right? Yeah, that was a thing. The little secret areas you, had to, you could fly through to pick up the collectibles. So, I don't know. All in all, I remember it, very, it being a very great game. Um, lots of fun. And it's definitely on my list of things to do to replay. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's going to be about it. I will go ahead and wrap this up for both my normal email and or my normal voice letter and my review of Crimson Skies. I will give it, um, I'll uh, give it four and a half out of five Jolly Rogers on the side of my Zeppelin. So, all right, I'll talk to you later, guys. And the voting is now. So. Okay, well, first up, we have our next game club game. Right. Uh, a rather hated victory this time around. Po- uh, the Portal series only got four votes, unfortunately. Reseteer and Item Shop Tale got five votes. But winning out is FTL faster than light at 10 votes, uh, a little over 50%. So we're going to be doing FTL. Yep. Looking forward to and- it. It is a very short game, but it's a roguelite, so, you know, you can play it an hour and uh, a few times, and you really uh, seen a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm holding back, I'm holding back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I liked it. I played it several years ago. Let's see. Uh, well, the game was purchased for me 7-14-2013, but it doesn't say the last time I played it. Regardless, it's been you know, two or three years since I've played it. So I'll, I'll enjoy the refresher. Um, but yeah, it probably won't take super long. Oh, uh, for... well, it's been longer than I thought it, since I played it. La- uh, well, well, never mind. That says game purchase, not last played. But uh, after a while, it goes to game purchased instead of last played. Yeah. But I bought it. Um, see, Katie and I went on our first anniversary trip and I bought it on the summer steam sale. And, like, at nighttime when she was sleeping or whatever, uh, I would play it. And so I played it during our trip. And after we got home, I never played it again. So, that's my history with FTL. (laughs) Okay, so I guess we're going to go into what we have for the, uh, the February Game Club. Yep. Which we're going for a theme this time around. Yep. Uh, this time we're going for love and romance. So all three of our yeah, games which, follow that theme. Yeah, some to uh, different uh, versions of that than others. Mine is uh, Life is Strange. Yes. A, a more friendship, <laughs> a, a love of friends than uh, actual romance. Right. Which... From what I could tell, I will say that I've avoided spoilers to this like the plague. Yeah. I have, and I swear, if if you spoil this for me, I will hunt you down and I will fucking end you. <laughs> I've never played it. I was gonna play it for my channel like a year ago, and then I never did. So I've never played it. I've had a few things spoiled, but by and large, the story is unspoiled for me. So it'll be all I know is that time travel's involved, but that's in the tags. So yeah, uh, my choice actually, we had a little bit of a, a talk about this, and I changed my choice uh, to if my heart had wings. Both of us purchased the full version, uh, the full... Um, Fairly recently. Yeah. I, I got it during the winter sale, and you got it during the autumn sale. Right. And I had been meaning to play it as well. I was going to play it during my uh, my little 
break from the clinic, but then I got sick and I haven't played hardly any games. So I guess it was a good thing that I didn't play it. Yeah, both of these I'm uh, going to be uh, going through uh, fairly soon. Uh, these are games that I don't think would really fit on my channel all that well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if My Heart Had Wings doesn't win, I will just start playing it. So I'm going to be playing that in February, regardless of whether or not it's the Game Club game. <laughs> and then the game that we decided to to be like our together pick is Katawa Shoujo. Uh, it Cripple is, Girls. Is that what that means? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what did you expect from a 4chan game? Uh, good point. So, yeah, this is a... Uh, uh, but granted, that's about the uh, most, uh, yeah, 4chan-ish thing about this game. This is a this is a one that I've actually played, uh, I would say, fairly well through. I haven't uh, done 100% on this. Uh, but it's a visual novel that was originally inspired by a piece of art from 4chan and uh, grew up from there to be a full visual novel that's free to play. Yeah. For for its history, it is done very tastefully. It's really surprising. Yeah. I've wanted to play this one for a while as well. I just never gotten around to it. So, um, I'm kind of here. I'm kind of hoping that either if my heart had wings or Catalyst Shoujo wins, and then I'll just play the other one in February as well. But I mean, you know, if, if life is strange wins, that's fine too. Cause I want to play that. Yeah. For, yeah. For me, it's, uh, I'm probably going to go through both, uh, life is strange. And if my heart had wings, Granted, if my heart had wings is a very long visual novel that has a lot of branching paths. Yeah. That one's, what did it say? 30 to 50 hours on how long yeah. to beat. Yeah. That, well, that's the, uh, uh, the visual novel database, uh, entry for it, which they go by tiers. So, what? Let's see what it says on how long to beat. Okay. If my heart had wings. Uh, they're saying in the, well, the 30-hour range, yeah, but main story, 21 hours. With Rushed being 15-ish hours, which I imagine Rushed is probably skipping all the shared uh uh, storyline because uh, well, visual visual novels are uh, think of them like a tree. You have the main branch that uh, connects everything, uh, uh, or the trunk, and then it splits off into the various sub uh, stories. Yeah, this does not have Steam Cloud support, which is going to be interesting. I'll probably play it mostly on my laptop at the clinic. Honestly, it just would be easier. Or, well, I mean, on my laptop in general, because I just sit... Visual novels, I don't like to sit at my desk and play them. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Well, I'm going to uh, be testing out, uh, essentially, uh, streaming the game to my phone. Nice. Because I found a piece of software that allows that. Wow. I Send me a link to that later. <laughs> uh, I've not tested it at all. But it looks promising and for a visual novel that yeah even if it's uh, not a great connection it, it's really doesn't good. matter yeah yeah as long as the audio doesn't start skipping out yeah this would be a, a fun game to do actually use with my steam link and just like back in the recliner and play it on the big screen now here's the quick question because i'm going to do it the steam restoration patch oh yeah absolutely i'm gonna do that <laughs> are you kidding well, it's not even just uh, boobies in this. It's also the fact that, uh, according to some of the reviews uh, l- later in the uh, game, uh, on some of the story uh, lines, uh, 
some of the sex scenes have a lot more plot than a just plot. So it makes it uh, makes them make a little less sense. So, right, excellent. So it may be worthwhile. Excellent. <laughs> hey, it's not just tits this time around. <laughs> oh. Anyway, voting will open up. Well, uh, if you're listening to this, it's open. Yep. I wonder if I should hold off voting since we do. Uh, uh, a, a month of voting now, uh, just until the uh, actual episode goes live. Mm, no, I've just put it up. I mean, I think All we right. benefit from having it up for longer. Yeah. Just mention it and retweet it and all that jazz, you know, mm-hmm. which we do. So. Okay. Well, moving on from the voting, we'll be going to our first topic. Um, might only actually be one winding up in the episode, and the other one might go Franken content, but... Yeah, because it, it's also very old content there, but this is uh, going to be interesting. This, this may uh, either stretch on or be a very short topic. Yeah. We don't know which yet. So our first topic <laughs> is uh, the top-selling games on Steam for 2016. Steam released a list with their top 100 bestsellers of 2016. Yes, um, this is top games uh, as measured by gross revenue this year. And they've also uh, had it where it's sorted. Uh, the uh, top two, uh, platinum and gold, are 12 games each, then 16 for silver. And then the bottom 60 is uh, bronze. And in each tier, they're randomized, so we don't know exactly which one of the platinum games is the top revenue generator. Right. We just know that's one of these uh, 12. You could probably take this data and uh, link it up with Steam Charts. And, yeah, and probably figure, and figure it, out. it out. I would be I'd be shocked if it's not Dota two because that's in the platinum and that is just absolutely absurd. I mean, No Man's Sky sold a crap ton of copies. So yeah, I okay, mean, it's all yeah. Let's let's dive into. Well, this. how do we want to do this? Like, I mean, there's a hundred games. Do we want to just like read them all uh, off or uh, well, just well, pick a few in that, each category? Well, the, well, here's the problem: is that even between us, uh, our lists are somewhat scrambled because of how they are doing this. So. Let's just pick out some of the things that uh, surprise us, some things that don't surprise us, and just talk about it. Okay. Um, uh, well, uh, well, the big no-brainer is Jota 2 being uh, on there and being... Uh, is it the only one? It, yeah, it's the only uh, free-to-play game in the Platinum series, I see. Yeah. I'm not surprised, though. Dota 2's huge. Yeah, um, I'm not... uh, but it's the, yeah, but it's the one free-to-play. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, when we jump categories, I'll talk about it, because I've already mentioned this to you, but... I mean, Dota 2 is just so big, and the tournament scene is so huge, and I just am not surprised to see it. Even though it's free-to-play, I'm not surprised to see it in their top sellers. I mean, it's probably in the top five. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I would almost say no questions to the top five. I'm surprised. The one game in in the top 12 that really surprises me is XCOM 2. Oh, really? Uh, XCOM? Yeah, I I was just... I was going to say uh, uh, No Man's Sky, because that's in the top 12 as well. Well, no... I would I would have thought uh, that the refunds would have hit it too hard, but then again, you know, there's that window, a very shallow window of opportunity. Yeah, the problem... It, it just shows you, it shows you how much people pre-ordered that piece of shit. Yeah, well, the problem with No Man's Sky is that, you know, figuring out, well, one of the problems, figuring out that you want to refund it, it, like, if you're like, well, you know, I've read these reviews, and I think this game appeals to me... Uh, so I'm going to give it a shot. It takes you longer than two hours to figure out 
whether or not yeah. you genuinely like it. And then you're out of the way, refund window. And they came down hard on people trying to get refunds outside the window. So, I mean, to people just got stuck with it. they actually had on the store page. Right. Um, I'm not sure if I'm surprised to see No Man's Sky in platinum or not, but I, I was I am, expecting it in gold, maybe silver. I was I was definitely expecting it in gold, not silver. But yeah, anyways, XCOM two surprised me. I mean, XCOM two is has been reviewed very positively. I know it sold well, but just compared to some of the other things that are on the list, even in you know gold and silver, even I just can't believe how high it is on the list. Which makes me really happy because I mean I loved the first XCOM and. XCOM 2 is pretty high on my priority list of games to get. Uh, just, you know, I mean, I know the sale just rolled around, but I chose to focus yeah, on just, a lot of yeah, long-time titles. I did look at it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it just I'm surprised to see it at the top, but but quite happy. Fallout 4 is another interesting one as well, but I think that one was probably carried by its DLC. I mean, they don't say if it includes DLC like, if that pushes games well, up well, or, okay, up or okay. down. Okay, here's, here's uh, the uh, uh, thing, is that by revenue, and that includes DLC, and it includes microtransactions. That's why uh, you know, uh, Dota 2 is there, because it's a free-to-play game, but it uh, is uh, pushed up. And also CSGO is in the uh, Platinum series, even though it is usually uh, you know pretty heavily pu- uh, pu- uh, bought during a sale. It has a lot of microtransactions in it. It, it feels... Uh, from an outsider's perspective, like you're buying into a free-to-play game. Right. But then again, maybe it's just because I played Team Fortress 2, and that turned into a free-to-play game and like CSGO is now. Right. Uh, uh, with the microtransactions. Yeah, well, I mean, CSGO, the whole betting fiasco didn't happen until the second, third, yeah. like, the third quarter of the year, I think. And so counting all of 2016, I mean, the betting scene in that was huge for the first half of the year. Yeah, which I honestly don't get. I don't either, but, I mean, we're not, you know... We're old. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, let's see. Anything else in the top categories that really surprised me? I mean, I'm not surprised by The Witcher, including DLC, Blood and Wine drop this year, plus The Witcher 3 is still incredibly popular, yeah, G- so... Uh, GTA 5, uh, uh, I don't know, it, it kind of surprises me that's in Platinum uh, a, a little bit, just because it, it's an older game and it's never really dropped in price, so... You don't get the huge volumes whenever you uh, see it down the twenty uh, fifteen dollar range. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, GTA Online has just gone absolutely berserk. Yeah, but there's also been a lot of uh, controversy surrounding it because they're really uh, pricing everything to almost push you into having to get short cards now. Yeah, the division. I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about the division being in platinum. It did fix a lot of its problems by the end of the year, but it had a awful launch, and that usually drives yeah, a lot of people away. So I, I think I think it's a bit of uh, well, I'm going to use the term "no man's sky" syndrome from now on because it did have a lot of hype surrounding it when it first uh, was being announced and uh, all the build up to it. Yeah, granted, they took out a lot of features that they were promising in it. But yeah, it, the hype was still there, and a lot of people bought into it early. Yeah, and a lot of the problems with the division, outside of performance-wise, because it did launch with some severe performance problems, even if you weren't on AMD hardware. <laughs> yeah, uh, it didn't really, and you didn't encounter them until you were at the end game, and that is well outside the of uh, the refund window. So right. I think people may have gotten stuck with it, and then once the uh, DLC for the survival mode came around. 
and you got this uh king of the hill or uh well not king of the hill but uh this a battle royale uh game mode that you could play into now a lot of people uh went back in bought dlc and that pushed it up further yeah so i think it's a bit a mixture of hype and a late uh surge because the division there was news stories going around that it was approaching its uh launch window numbers uh for players for a while yeah Okay, I don't have anything else to say about the Platinum Games. I'm not surprised by any of the rest of them. No. Uh, so let's move down to the Gold Games. I'm a little shocked that Team Fortress 2 is still doing so well. Yeah, me too. Um, because that's an absolutely ancient game, but uh, it's the oldest game in this uh, uh, set by far. Yeah. I'm a little surprised by uh, by Warframe uh, being another free-to-play. Uh, being in the Gold category means that it's either the 13th, between the 13th and the 24th, yeah. most sold game on Steam for this year. Well, most revenue generated. Or most revenue generated, yeah. And, and the thing is that Warframe, it runs all of its stuff through the Steam uh, uh, wallet system. So. They do now. Yeah. They didn't at the beginning of this year. Because when we started just, playing end of last year, first of this year, they didn't run it through Steam wallet. That change happened like halfway through the year. Uh, whenever I got uh, some uh, currency in it, it went through the Steam wallet for me. Did it? Yeah, I don't remember that happening the one time that I bought currency, or one of the times that I bought currency. Yeah, this was one of the few games I actually got currency in, and it, uh, I got it through my Steam wallet. I think there was an option for it. Okay. Then maybe I'm just misremembering when they transferred over to Steam. I know at the beginning yeah. it was not, definitely. But, I mean, that would we started playing that in last year, didn't we? Uh, Yeah. So. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was last year. So. Yeah. Still, I'm surprised at how much money Warframe made. I mean, it's a good game. That you know, I don't mean to say that like I'm surprised because it's a crappy game. Just I can't believe the amount of money that that thing must be generating. Yeah. Um, I'm also surprised that Doom is in the gold section. Doom was like one of the best games that came out this year, and it's on just about everybody's top ten list near the the top. Well, you know, I it's think- in the top five for almost everybody. I think this is one of those times that an open beta uh, really hurt it because the beta focused on the multiplayer aspect, which Doom's multiplayer is not all that great. Yeah, that's true. It's- so uh, so that, uh, well, let's call it what it is. It's a demo. The demo uh, section that they put out and had just huge publicity for was for the absolute weakest part of the game. And I think that pushed uh, Doom off a lot of people's radars or pushed it back onto the back burner like uh, well i wouldn't say like it did for me because i wasn't looking to get doom on launch anyway i'm uh, i'm a patient gamer uh, outside of uh, steam uh, uh or just review copies so i'm usually about two years behind the curve so it, uh, i still put it on my wish list i think uh, i have to actually go back and double check that but uh it just that initial surge that of po- of a popularity that it should have gotten, they squandered. Yeah, I mean Doom is the game that I spent the second most money on this year. I mean I bought No Man's Sky full price, and Doom went on sale for half off or forty percent off during the summer sale. And I was, I mean I ha- I had played the demo because they did the single player demo as well at E three. Um, mm-hmm. and after playing the single player demo, I was like, I have to have this game. And I was like, if it goes on sale for 40 bucks or less on the steam sale i'll buy it and it was i think 35 dollars, and so i bought it and i mean it was a great purchase one of the better video game purchases i made this year 
I just uh, uh, what about Call of Duty Black Ops Three? Black Ops Three was it, a good game. It was reviewed pretty poorly, but I mean the Black Ops series has been the series that's been carrying Call of Duty for the last few years now. So yeah, it just seems like uh, every uh, Call of Duty game has been slipping further and further, uh, especially on PC. Yeah, every Call of Duty game so, does just get less so, and less sales. So I imagine that was probably Borderlands Silver. Probably, I'd say that's you know, yeah, probably Borderlands Silver. Okay, how about uh, the uh, uh, is it the only? Uh, well, uh, it really depends on how you define indie. But Stardew Valley being in this section as well. Stardew Valley was a huge seller this year. I think yeah, like well, a month. That the fact. That, well, here's the thing: is that I consider Stardew Valley a huge niche title. That's why I'm a little shocked that it's on the uh, gold section. Yeah. Because uh, looking at this, uh, a, a lot of these are not what I would consider niche games outside of Stellaris, possibly, because that is more of a 4X strategy game or a grand strategy, depending on how you really define that. Right. And outside of that, you know, these are pretty uh, much uh, uh, game, uh, really popular genres. As a matter of fact, look how many shooters are in this section. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of shooters. Arma 3 is pretty niche as well, though, because it's yeah, ultra-realistic. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of people just don't like. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I've got the Arma series, and they're fun, but I don't like to play them seriously. Um, yeah, I think, if I remember reading correctly, Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley made, like, $10 million in its first month, which was, like, crazy, because, you know, one developer made it. Yeah, I remember finding Stardew Valley just randomly poking around on gaming websites uh, years ago. And they were talking about, you know, how it would be years until it came out. So I just kind of, you know, favored the uh, website and just, you know, forgot about it for ages. Right. So I can just imagine how many people were following this game through its development. Yeah. I'm really glad to see it on top, though. I love to see those indie games, those indie darlings just shine. Cause I think, yeah, which we're going to get a lot more indie dollars uh, coming up. Yeah, because I it just I think the indie games, these indie darlings are like the best of gaming. Like they they yeah, represent uh, the best spirit of gaming. I think. Yeah, triple A uh, gaming. Uh, well, I mentioned this during the uh, Crimson Skies. Is that there doesn't feel feel like the uh, spirit of uh, gaming anymore in uh, the triple A scene. They they all feel so bland now. They all feel so. Uh, like they've been boiled down and uh, had focus groups uh, go in, uh, try them out, and just uh, make them just boring. I mean, the gaming industry is a lot like the film industry has become. You know, you have your big blockbusters that basically keep the industry going, and then you have the independent projects, or the occasional, I mean, not that big studios can't make a work of art, but... You know, the big studios make do the money makers that keep the industry going, and then these independent projects are the works of art that make yeah, the but industry the, but here's worthwhile. The, but here's the problem is that, okay, you'll have uh, film studios that, uh, you know, have their major blockbuster to allow them to do uh, more experimental movies uh, outside of the summer blockbuster season. You don't have that on the gaming side of things. Yeah, not uh, a lot of studios the, do that. Yeah, as soon as uh, uh, the... Call of Duty is done. They're starting the process on the next one that's coming out in a couple of years for that particular studio because Call of Duty is a staggered release between, was it, three different uh, developers? Yeah. Well, I mean... So you're, 
Sorry. You're not quite seeing the same thing here. You're uh, just having uh, the AAA developers putting out the same thing and not uh, experimenting all that much. Uh, matter of fact, here's a strange thing. I'm going to praise Ubisoft. Wow. Ubisoft is one of the developers that actually has a, a, like an indie developer uh, section. Uh, a matter of fact, I think EA does as well, but they've absorbed so many developers that you know, they're more of a Hydra than an actual de- uh, single developer or publisher anymore. Yeah, EA ha- does have an indie like division or whatever. Like they made Yarny, I think, last year. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. It's just uh, here's the thing: is that I don't pay attention to Origin all that much. <laughs> right. Fair enough. But Ubisoft uh, pushes it out on Steam, which gets it a lot more attention. That's the thing, is that yeah, I still think Origin uh, is uh, it's all right, but the thing is that you don't get as much attention there as you would uh, pushing out something on Steam. You think that's fair? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, so they're uh, actually probably hurting their own uh, little indie uh, art project sales just because, or, or maybe not, they're hard diversifying Origin. But you have uh, only... That, that's the only two thing I, uh, two companies I can really think of that are pushing out these little uh, uh, indie uh, sections that are doing little experimental things. As a matter of fact, one of the games I picked up during the winter sale, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a Ubisoft game, Grow Up. Yep. And that's the uh, uh, the indie section of uh, Ubisoft, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it is. They've done a few of them. What was the World War One game? Valiant Hearts? Yeah, which is something I picked up during the summer or last winter sale. Yeah. Winter sale before last. Valiant Hearts is, is wonderful. And then what's the other one that they did that was, um, like, fantasy and, like, this girl, like, enters a dream world and the whole the whole game is done in Limerick? I uh, can't think of it offhand. But I know what you're talking about. That's the thing. <laughs> I just can't think of the name. Yeah, that game was beautiful, and that was another Ubisoft indie project. So yeah, so I would say Ubisoft is really the only one that's really uh, trying this. Yeah, we'll get there. And these and these could be little side projects for the main developer. But the thing is that they're really the only one that's uh, really doing this. Yeah. Uh, well, EA is t- uh, uh, toying around with it, but still, it, you're not having that same analogy. Yeah, I mean, they're working on it. They'll get there. The film industry took a long time to get to where it is now with with that sort of thing. And, I mean, the film industry went through its period in, like, the 70s and the 80s. And, really, the, the film industry has been through this several times where, that you know, big studios will come in and just um, chuck out a whole bunch of movies that are supposed to be money makers, And they flop and there's a change and, you know, a few uh, kind of artistic projects come in and shake up the industry and away we go yeah and oh and also in this section we do have our two early access games uh arc and h1z1 h1z1 uh well king of the kill remember they split h1z1 into two separate games and the other one's further down right uh uh just survive i think they called it but it's pretty far down actually (laughs) Uh, that really tells you where uh, they should be focusing, and probably are. Yeah. Never played either of them. Don't really care. Uh, well, pretty much everything uh, I've heard about ARC news-wise lately has been extremely negative. <laughs> yeah, after they tried to sell DLC for an early access game. 
try. They have sold. Or, yeah, uh, after they uh, did do that uh, expansion pack for a deal uh, for early access game, which pissed a lot of people off. And supposedly that also included features that were promised in the base game, even though I have no idea if that's true or not. Yeah. And then H1Z1 uh, is also a very controversial game because uh, Sony Online Entertainment w- was bought out by um, looking at a Daybreak uh, Game Company, and they revoked a couple promises that you know the game would eventually go free to play and uh, split the game into two. So yeah, that pissed people off. So uh, that that really shows you that there's no such thing as bad publicity, huh? <laughs> nope. Because the two top uh, early access games on here are both very controversial. And I think that's pretty much it for this. So moving on to the silver. Yeah, let's move down to the silver category. So um, Planet Coaster kind of surprises me because Planet Coaster didn't come out until November. Yeah, yeah, that's a very late release. And there's also another one in the uh, bronze category that was a very late release that... Uh, yeah, it just shows you just how crazy uh, those games are. Yeah. And how uh, how a certain... If you release a good game in a certain niche, sales were just there. Yeah. Planet Coaster tries to be um, Roller Coaster Tycoon on steroids. I haven't played it, but I've seen a lot of stuff in it, and it looks amazing, and it's on my wish list. Uh, from from what I've heard, uh, essentially, it's between this and Parkitect, I believe, is the other one. Uh, I'm not sure if Parkitect is out yet or not. I haven't heard of Parkitect. Uh, Parkitect is in early access still. So, okay. Uh, essentially, Parkitect is a uh, roller coaster tycoon and has a lot more of a focus on the management side of things. Right. While, uh, Planet Coaster is more, uh, on the building side of things. Right. And funny enough, I, I, well, I don't know if it's actually funny. I find it funny. The same people who make Planet Coaster make Elite Dangerous. Yeah. Two, like, completely different games. But, hey, you know. Companies can, you know, they obviously can do that. I just find that funny. Anyways, surprised to see Planet Coaster on there just because of its super late release. And the silver category is 40 to 25. Yeah, this is 16 games. So, yeah, Planet Coaster is in the top 40 of all, you know, uh, yeah, gross uh, revenue for the year. Yeah, and we also have a couple more free-to-play games on here. We have War Thunder and Smite, which Smite is the big surprise here for me. Yeah. Because whatever you think the MOBA genre, um, yeah, Smite is very far down the list. Actually, Smite's always number three for me. It's always League of Legends, Dota 2, and then Smite. Yeah, but here's the thing, is that those first two are just absolutely giants, and then Smite is, you know, just this little thing off in the distance. Yeah. I mean, apparently they're doing uh, well, so good for them. Yeah, or, or at least well enough. Yeah. And remember, this is also only through Steam, so... And Smite is also a non-Steam game. Right. I'm surprised to see Elder Scrolls Online here. I'm surprised to see Elder Scrolls on this, Online on this list, period. Even if it's in the bronze, I would say, I'm surprised to see this here. Yeah. They did have a big price drop this year and got rid of their subscription system. Yeah, I was going to say they went to a, a pay-to-play instead of a, just a, a subscription model. Right, so that probably so helped that, about that, a lot. Yeah, that, that definitely changed things. Uh, and you're also starting to get into more of the hardcore strategy here with uh, Hearts of Iron 4 and uh, Utopia Universalis uh, 4. Or sorry, uh, yeah, 4. Europa Universalis uh, 4. Yeah. And then Civ 5 as well. I mean, not yeah. as hardcore, but still, I mean, it's a, a strategy game. Yeah, 
Yeah, which uh, Civ uh, Six was in the Platinum. Right. So two Civ games in the top 100. Probably one of those things where it's like, oh, a new Civ game coming out. Uh, I should pick up the old one and play it. Yeah, especially uh, Civ Five usually goes down uh, to about the twelve dollar range for the uh, uh, the everything bundle. Yeah, and it's also a bundle that, as you get more stuff in it, uh, it drops the price. So uh, the only things remaining in it for me are a couple of the uh, map packs, uh, the scrambled continents. So it's yo, know, I could get those DLCs for like a buck. <laughs> yeah, I just never did because yeah, you know, it's just uh, yeah, you know, it's not really necessary. And uh, also another uh, niche game, I would say, is City Skylines. Well, maybe. I mean, uh, the, the City Beatles uh, genre really opened up after, um, what SimCity was it that fucked everything up? Uh, SimCity Sim Four. City. Well, well, remember, uh, or are we talking about the last well, one the, or the uh, one before? The most recent SimCity that fucked everything up with its always online. Uh, it was and just shallow it was gameplay. Just, uh, it was just called SimCity. Oh. Well, after that a game, people, uh, a lot of people just call it SimCity 2013. Yeah. Well, after that game, I mean, that basically opened maybe up just the, that, the city building. Maybe genre. it made people. Maybe it made people more aware of the genre itself because it. it I, I always viewed this one also as a very niche uh, 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 genre, just because it, it's a almost a puzzle game, almost that you're designing uh, the puzzle and solving it at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it might be a... I mean, it is definitely a niche, but I don't think it's as much of a niche as you're thinking it is. But, I don't know. Regardless, it is nice to see it, though, in the top 40. Yeah, and there's Rust as well, which is also uh, in the top 40. Uh, not as huge a surprise, but also had some uh, controversy going around with the uh, developer pretty much being a dickbag online. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have any more surprises in the silver category. Yeah, uh, yeah, Subnautica, not a huge surprise. Uh, Dying Light, uh, not really a surprise. Uh, Deus Ex being this far down, I think, may be a bit of a surprise. Mm, possibly. But also had, uh, didn't have some performance issues on release? Uh, yeah, it also had, um, microtransactions, which pissed a lot of people off. Um, because it... It was a later release in the year, and people were really starting to get pissed off with microtransactions being in AAA games. Uh, it was August. That came out in September. Well, regardless, no, August this, is I'm still... I'm looking at the store page. August is still the eighth month in the year. That's quarter three, so... Yeah, well, the thing is, it's also a AAA game. Yeah. The fact that uh, Watch Dogs 2 is also in this uh, area, and Watch Dogs 2 has the stigma of its of its predecessor as well. That's true, but Watch Dogs 2 was supposedly, I mean, I haven't played it, but supposedly a much better game, so... Yeah, I haven't tried it out yet, and the thing is that uh, uh, Ubisoft AAA games uh, uh, it just seems to not like my system. Ubisoft AAA game, they're all the same. I, I think that's a, probably a little unfair, because... <laughs> that I is unfair. That radio, I, I don't think there's radio towers in this. <laughs> Touché. Okay, let's move down the list to the the last category, which is bronze, which is the the other sixty games. Yeah. Um, uh, Astro Deer, I think, is the big surprise for me, just because of how late it released. Yeah, but I have it, heard it, nothing it, but good things about Astro Deer. No, 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 no. It released December sixteenth. Really? 
Damn, yeah. I thought it came out in November or released no, in November. It, whatever. December sixteenth, and it got in the top one hundred. Wow, that's wow, that's a surprise to me. All right, uh, Slime Rancher is a surprise. I mean, it came out at the beginning of the year, but like I hadn't, I hadn't even heard of it until last month, and somebody mentioned it on co-optional podcast. Maybe that's why it, Dodger, yeah, Dodger mentioned it, and she really likes it. So it's so cute. <laughs> maybe that's why it blew up, but. Who knows? It could have sold well uh, all year, and I just didn't hear about it. Yeah, I think that's probably a sleeper hit, actually. It's also something that's uh, been building up over the year. Uh, YouTuber's uh, Life. The Borderlands... Well, okay, go ahead. Uh, YouTuber's Life, that's... Uh, that's I'm, I would say borderline YouTube bait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks okay compared to a lot of those other like YouTube personality, Twitch streamer, whatever type games. But, I mean, still, it doesn't look very good to me. So I'm surprised that it's there. I guess a lot of people really want to be famous YouTubers. Okay, uh, what were you saying? Pot, uh, pot kettle? <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily want to be a famous YouTuber. I just like to have... I just do it for a hobby. I don't care how many subs I have and views and stuff. Yeah, but you would have to admit that would be nice to you know, be able to uh, live off YouTube. It would be cool. Um, I probably wouldn't live off of YouTube, even if I could, because I like what I do, but I... I'm, I'm a little shocked that uh, the Borderlands, the pre-sequel, is still this high up. I thought it would have dropped off by now. Yeah, I haven't even seen that yet, but I mean, that's the randomization of the list. Yeah, I mean, that's a 2014 game, so... Yeah. I would have thought that would have dropped off. Uh, uh, and uh, Well, another one that's... A l- I'm not surprised that's on the list. I'm a little surprised that it's this far down, but I also understand why it's this far down, is that the new Hitman game. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's this far down because of the uh, episodic nature of it. Yep. Uh, Terraria, that's a surprise. Just uh, like Terraria, it's still uh, selling well, this well, well. Yeah, well, Terraria, it goes down to just uh, to a couple bucks every single sale. So that's just sheer volume. Still, um, I mean, that's selling a shit ton then. Even if it's a hundred on the list. Yeah. That's still amazing to me. Well, the thing is that Terraria just has a ton of players on it. Uh, more than I think you realize. As a matter of fact, let's go I was going to say I'm going to go look numbers. at it. Player numbers right now. 17,000 playing right now. Yeah, with a peak today of uh, 27, almost 28,000. I mean, hey, it's a popular game. Good for, you know, good for them. Just like, I can't believe how well it still sells. Yeah. A uh, complete surprise for me as I scroll through the list, The Sims 3. Like, what? I mean, The Sims 3 <laughs> was good, don't get me wrong, but it came out in 2009, 2008. Well, this is also, well, here's the thing, here's the thing, is that if you want The Sims and you don't want to mess with Origin, Sims 3 is your only option on Steam, really. That's a good point. I've almost bought The Sims 3 a couple of times on Steam because I don't want to deal with Origin. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it is literally your only choice on Steam for The Sims. Plus, it does have a crap ton of DLC, so it might not even people be being that. Yeah, might not even yeah. be people buying the game, just people getting. Yeah, it might be just DLC. Uh, getting the base game and then uh, slowly building up all the DLC, which it has a shit ton of DLC. Yeah, uh, and some of it uh, a lot more relevant than others. I mean, it has, uh, and this isn't even counting the. Uh, the online store, which I'm not even sure if it's still online, but it's has three hundred seventy nine dollars and eighty one cents of DLC. Yeah, 
and I'm pretty sure none of this is duplicate stuff because uh, sometimes it is duplicates, but I don't see any that uh, look like it. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else is on this list that's surprising to me. Uh, KSP is doing really well. It's in the top 100. Yep, I see it not, there. Not a particular surprise, but you know, just uh, more of a comment than anything else. Rimworld's on here. Yeah, which uh, hardly a surprise, once again. It's a very, very good game. Uh, surprise to me is Gary's Mod do- still doing so well. Oh, yeah, I just that's scrolled a, to that. That's, that's a very old game. Well, Borderlands also on this uh, list. is. Yeah, that's a very old, uh, let's just say Borderlands 2. Uh, both uh, truck simulators uh, are on the list. Uh, Euro Truck 2 and American Truck 2. Not particularly a surprise because if you, th- those are pretty much the go-to driving, relaxing games. Yeah, I would say Train Simulator uh, 2017 is the, it, is, uh, the surprise. I'm not really surprised because of how much DLC that game has. The thing is, is like yeah, I, it's super I, I niche, think- but the people who play it will spend thousands of dollars on that DLC. I think it's got the most DLC of any game on Steam. Oh, come on. It's just shop $6,000. That's not that much. <laughs> it's got 321 DLC packs. Yeah, which I'm trying to spot what the most expensive is. It looks like some of them are up in the $40 range. And those looks like uh, uh, route add-ons. Yeah. I mean, this is... Yeah. But also, six is it, grand does a train simulator every time they uh, push out a new uh, version, they give away uh, the new version to everyone? Uh, you get the new version, but the new version doesn't actually include anything. It's just graphics improvements Ooh. and bug fixes, and they just slap a new year on it every year. the The most recent version, actually, because I've I bought t- Train Simulator. No, I received it as a review actually several years ago when it was I think Train Simulator twenty fourteen. And uh, in three years, I've gotten one pack for free. Mm. I mean, granted, it's a $40 DLC pack, but uh, compared to six grand, it's not really that much. Yeah. I'm I'm a little surprised that uh, H1Z1 just survived us this far down. Uh, considering uh, the uh, King of the Kill is so high up. Yeah. Well, I mean, H1Z1... It, it really shows you... It shows you where people want... they. People think they want the uh, survival mode, but really, people want a good Battle Royale game, and there hasn't really been one. Every single Battle Royale game, short of the Division's DLC, is in early access. Yeah. I can't think of one that's a mass Battle Royale game that's not in early access. As a matter of fact, I believe it's on here, but The Calling is also the uh, another one that was very popular for a while. Oh, yeah, right there it is. And it's still early access, and uh, recently it's got very negative reviews. Yeah. I'm surprised to see Dishonored 2 on this list at all, actually. I'm not surprised. Uh, how poorly it ran again? Uh, once again, uh, that's kind of like the theme of uh, 2016, is AAA's having performance issues. Yeah, I mean, on my that's list... That's a fair thing to say? Yeah. On my, like you know shuffle of this page dishonored 2 and dishonored 1 are right next to each other i'm not surprised to see dishonored 1 i am surprised to see dishonored 2 okay how about the steam controller being on here um the, the fact that that sold that well that's on the top 100 i mean you know the steam controller is pretty great 
it you know it's got well, the it, learning it curve. says a lot to the to the adoption rate of this yeah uh, of the uh, controllers that uh it's uh pushed up into the top 100 and uh, hopefully it'll make it so that uh, more developers are uh having negative native support for it yeah uh factorio is on here as well yeah glad to see that um, Firewatch. Firewatch is surprising that it's in the top 100. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, Firewatch was this year. Uh, but then again, this was also a game that everybody was praising. So That's true. It did receive a yeah, lot had, of critical acclaim. How about, uh, Realm Reborn, uh, Final Fantasy 14? That's, uh, I That's think this the is MMO. the only, yeah, I think this is the only subscription MMO on this list. I mean, Final Fantasy fourteen is a really popular MMO, actually. I mean, it's not up there with the big dogs like WoW, um, but hang on, hang on. Let, it's let still got a some. really, really large subscriber base. Yeah, but the fa- I, I, well, I was just seeing if you could get uh, uh, by, uh, uh, the the subscription in this, but I don't see it. So yeah, I was thinking that may be pushing it up, but yeah, it's not. That that shows you just how crazy this is. Yeah, do you do, are there any games that aren't on the list that you're surprised that they're not on the list? Oh, I'd have to think about that actually. Eve Online. Uh, I'm really surprised not to see Eve Online in the top 100. Maybe because it uh, went to free to play. You thought it would uh, get a little bit more attention. Yeah, I figured it would get a boost, but I mean, Eve Online, it it's got that sort of you know the fan base isn't like massive, but they're super dedicated and spend a shit ton of money on that game. And, I mean, you can buy subscriptions to EVE Online through Steam and everything, and it went free-to-play in... When was it that it went free-to-play? September, October? Something like uh, that. Fairly late in the year, so yeah. It was fairly late like in the year, but I figured it would get a boost. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be, like, you know, in the top 10 or whatever, but I figured it would make it to the top 100. Okay, I didn't see Binding of Isaac on here. That's a, a very popular game right now. Yeah, I didn't see that either. And it just released an expansion pack. Yeah, and I'm just uh, well, I was going through the uh, the player counts and thought I saw Bonnie Rosic Rebirth that uh, a peak today of uh, just shot forty thousand players, and it's not on this top one hundred list. I go look at Eve Online. Currently, there's twenty six hundred uh, people playing Eve Online through Steam. I would, yeah, yeah. If I'm looking at this correctly. Uh, Binding of Isaac is the highest uh, currently being played game that is not on this list. You know what? Now that I think of it, probably most of of EVE Online's audience doesn't play through Steam. Because they only added it to Steam a couple of years ago, I think. Maybe not even that yeah, long still, ago. Yeah, so old, the older players are probably not uh, even using Steam. Yeah. Because it's really difficult to import... Well, actually, it's impossible to import a non-Steam account into a Steam, into the Steam launcher, and it's really difficult to take a Steam account out of the Steam launcher. Oh, here's another one, Paladins. Oh, yeah, Paladins. Everybody's raving about that, but it's not in the top 100. Granted, it may not use uh, uh, the Steam uh, wallet system for its microtransactions, so that may be it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, it's very highly rated. And, well, at least for the most part, lately it looks like it's been getting a bit of a ding. Uh, but yeah, that's not on here. Huh. 
See, I need to sit down and think about this a little bit more. <laughs> so, uh, Pounds is another really surprising one. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I play a lot of really niche games that don't usually get on these yeah. things. Like, I was really ha- surprised to see Factorio. A little less surprised. I mean, happy to see KSB there, but a little less surprised to see it just because uh, I was happy got a to pretty- see. I was happy to see RimWorld. Not terribly surprised with just. Uh, RimWorld fills a niche that has been kind of aching for a while, and a lot of games have tried to fill it with that Dwarf Fortress Light game, but no, no game has been able to really uh, have it be open enough where people could easily pick it up, but still have the depth of a Dwarf Fortress like game. So that, that's not it's not really a surprise to me. I will think that the art style is probably uh, keeping a few people away because they look at it and see, oh, well, this is just ripping off Prison Architect, which uh, you know that's like the number one criticism I keep seeing in the forums for it is, oh, this is so this is Prison Architect, no, <laughs> idiot. You know, I'm really surprised to see 1,200 people playing Transport Fever right now. I love that game, but it's a pretty niche game. Actually, I'm looking at the time, and I'm I'm wanting to be headed to bed. <laughs> my my throat <laughs> is starting to get really sore. We're well. That's what happens when we don't record for a week. You lose your voice. No, that's what happens when I'm sick for two weeks. Is I lose my voice. I'm I'm gonna so start. You want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's go to community corner and speed through that. And uh, okay, so wrap you don't want to record some Franken content. I would like to, but I'm worried my voice is going to give out. All right, if you have to. <laughs> hey, they're still going to get a long show this week. We're over three hours already. Yeah. We'll talk about this Tracer next time. Short, yeah, this, make, this makes up for the short show last time uh, with uh, the B team. They, they need to work on their content. They, they need to stretch you out for a couple more hours. Yeah, because all our other shows aren't long enough. <laughs> Okay, well, let's uh, wrap this discussion up and move on to Community Corner, uh, where we had one audio letter, which you've already heard part of it, because the Crimson Sky part, uh, and you can hear the rest of it right now. Here's Ghost Shark with the first audio letter of 2017. Hello, guys, and Happy New Year. Hope everybody has a good, successful year, and uh, nothing crazy and out of the ordinary happens. But, you know, such is life, and we all know how that goes. Anyway, well, speaking of that, um, for those of you who don't know, which is probably most of you, I am going to be a dad very soon, so I have that to look forward to starting out this year. Um, other plans that I've got going on, uh, I'm going to start recording some videos, finally, and actually uploading them. So we'll see how that works. I have a few ideas, I have a few finalists for my, uh, well, I can't call it choosing because that's patented, um, but... I'll come up with a name of my own for my own process, but so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, also need to start actually publishing the recordings I've been doing on my walks when I finally get around to getting out and recording at the same time. So I have probably about six months worth of odds and end recordings that I may not, or I may or may not put up uh, right off the start. I don't know. We'll see. I either I'm either going to start uploading a bunch of them and slowly catch up, or I'll just throw one of the old ones in every once in a while when I have a big long break between recordings. I'm looking at trying to get out at least two or three times a week and just 
vent or chat about whatever's going on, current events or whatever. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, let's see, what other things am I looking to do this year? Oh, uh, since I have seen Rogue One finally, uh, I want to talk to you guys about... Oh, that wasn't... Um, we're going to pretend that didn't happen. Anyway, and talk to you guys about possibly starting up the uh, campaign again. Uh, and potentially, with the backdrop of Rogue One fresh in my mind, instead of doing an Edge of the Empire campaign, going straight to Age of Rebellion and have a bunch of rough-and-tumble uh, rebel soldiers to work with. So, And one of the last things that I plan on doing, which is a little more current events type stuff right now, is finish getting my drop fleet commander stuff painted up and ready to go and uh, ready to start playing on a table with and maybe if i'm still in the tinkering mood by the time i'm done with that i'll start working all my drop zone stuff that i just stopped working on last year because it got too frustratingly uh too painstakingly detailed for me so uh but yeah i have all that to do with you know along with getting ready to have a kid and the crazy weird situation that's causing at the moment so um i won't get into that this time around now so and thank you very much go shark for writing in to us um yeah welcome to the world of youtubes <laughs> <laughs> yeah come on in yeah now we're gonna have to do some sort of collab between the three of us i or the two of us i would be down with that uh he wants to play borderlands he's mentioned playing borderlands to me before I know you hate Borderlands 2, but it is a game that all three of us could play together. Well, the thing is that I would prefer playing Borderlands 1. I would play... Because I, ne I never really got to play it. Is, and every time I try to play it, you know, something happens. Is Borderlands 1 on Steam? Yes. I'd play Borderlands 1. I thought it was fine. The art style holds up pretty well. No, 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 no. no. It's just, you know, something happens, you know. Uh, I tried playing Borderlands uh, 1 and... My friend that I'm playing with uh, has played the game so much that they're able to just speed run it, and I'm uh, not, I don't even shoot anything. They're just uh, by the time I get to the camp after they sprint off or pick up the quest, uh, everything's dead, and they sprint past uh, back past me. Yeah, and wasn't fun. I have, uh, I mean, I played through Borderlands one once many years ago, so. Well, let's put it this way. They played through Borderlands 1 with all the characters multiple times. Nah, I didn't do that. I would do that, Ghost. How does Borderlands 1 sound to you? It looks like you own it, Rage. It says 10 friends own this game. Looks like well, Ghost uh and I don't have it. Yeah, and it looks like we're also trying to uh, get the Star Wars RPG up and running again, which I want to do. Yeah, I also want to do. It, it, it's just been a casualty of uh, uh, Christmas the, time. Uh, yeah. Also, Ghost, congratulations on your kid. Did you listen to the audio letter, Rage? Yeah, yeah, I completely forgot about it. I, <laughs> I, almost I have forgot. it on. <laughs> I have it on here. It's just uh, uh, Ghost is going to be a papa. Well, Ghost already has kids, but they're stepkids. This is actually his biological child, so. Yeah, so now it counts. Good luck, buddy. Um, Being completely insensitive. <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. Um, 
I'm actually loading up uh, Steam Party to see what we have in common. Ghost and I have briefly, like very, very briefly, said that we should get together and put to put a campaign together between the two of us, and then we have two DMs that or GMs that can run it. Uh, so, Ghost, you'll have to walk me through anything that's different between um, Edge of the Empire and uh, what is what is it Rebel, whatever the Rebels one. But I would love to put together a campaign uh, for that. So maybe we can work something out in the next couple of weeks. And then we can set up a schedule where we'll we're all be playing. And we'll just have to work out a system for what we do whenever people are gone. Because not everybody's going to be able to make it all the time. So with two GMs, that'll help out a lot. And then we can just figure out how to play characters when they're gone. But I'm absolutely down for that. I'll have to. I'll have my machine call your machine, Ghost. We'll figure it out. <laughs> my people will call your people. <laughs> oh. Uh, and of course, he's also getting hugely into his uh, drop ships. <laughs> that, that's something I kind of wish I was able to do was do the miniature uh, uh, tabletop. Well, actually, just uh, the paper RPGs as well. It's the extension of that. Just there's no one around here. Yeah. There's no uh, gathering place. Yeah, that uh, was my problem for the longest time. Uh, yeah, uh, to get to a hobby shop, I'm pretty sure I have to hop a bus and you know, go for an hour into town or into the city and sarcasm quotes here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to have to get together soon, you and Katie and I, uh, and and run the second, our second adventure. Well, I'm busy outfitting decoy with flames. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've already put together like four, the next four campaigns for you guys to run. <laughs> so I forget who it was was it ghost or was it kyle one of them said that they wanted to join too and i was like that's fine we just played on discord and uh, katie and i did all the dice stuff and kept up with everybody so we could write you in ain't technology great <laughs> all right okay so shall we move along uh, directly to the questions of the week because we had two of them yep uh, since uh, we uh, we covered the oh, one three kid. weeks ago because Kyle was there. Yeah. So we only have two. Uh, and one of them's not going to be very relevant anymore. Uh, what's your gaming wish list for the holiday season? <laughs> uh, Doug Gregory, which I'm pretty sure is a new name. Uh, the original Xbox Halo edition. Ghost Shark Division. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and Chemist. Not City Skylines, that's for sure. <laughs> that's uh, that's why I sent him. Nice. And not that I plan on buying before Transistor and Disordered, except maybe uh, Decker Dancer Amplified. So excited for it. Which uh, brings us into our second question. What games are you looking forward to in 2017? Kyle, uh, Universe Tim, hopefully. Uh, hopefully it's not Spore. <laughs> yeah. What games am I looking for in 2017? I'm looking forward to For Honor. I haven't really dove into the list uh, yet, and uh, the thing is that some of the games that we talked about uh, ages ago for our you know, top games of 2016 we were looking for we got pushed back to 2017. Like, Cuphead got pushed back. Yeah. Um, Binding of Isaac's uh, expansion came out today, and that was a game I was uh, looking forward to. So, yeah, it's something I would have to sit down and really look at. Yeah. And the thing is that also, you know, we don't have the major announcements for at least several months uh, uh, 
or over the summer for the AAA games. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Groove, maybe Dual Universe. Uh, Chemist with a big surprise, Crypt of the Decker Dancer Amplified. <laughs> and Jim, Astroneer, which is technically out, but maybe means it leaving early access, which I'm not sure if it is planned to leave early access this year. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably For Honor and, it, and Ace Combat 7 for me, but Ace Combat 7 doesn't have a firm release date yet, so it might not even come out until 2018. Yeah, For Honor, uh, well, first of all, it's a Ubisoft game, so yeah, it's going to be dubious if it's going to run for me or not. Yeah, I've got fingers crossed that it's going to be good. I've, I've been looking forward to that game for a couple of years now, so... It looks interesting. Oh, it, well, uh, uh, sorry, I went uh, uh, to PC r slash PC gaming real quick. And this kind of reflects back to what you were talking about with Firewatch. Uh, they just tweeted out uh, today that Firewatch has surpassed 1 million copies sold. Nice. So, not a surprise there. Sorry, I just happened to click over to that window and it's like, oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of a callback. So anyway, let's move on to three weeks worth of tweets, which actually isn't that much considering the you know, holiday season. Right. Uh, Chemist, uh, in response to uh, the short recording backfire that we had a little while back, I can't wait for next week. Uh, something tells me it's going to hit the five hour mark. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, t- referring to the VGL awards, <laughs> which it did go long. It did go long. Well, Sounds like you need to go? Yep. Yep. I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. He fell out of his bed. Everything okay? Ooh. Well, his bed is really low to the floor. I mean, it's basically a, a propped up mattress. Mm-hmm. Um. Because he likes to be able to climb in and out of it. But still, it's enough that it woke him up and kind of scared him. <laughs> Gonna have to put a rope on the kid. He does really well. That doesn't happen very often. So we haven't really worried about it. But, you know, sometimes. But he's fine. Alright, uh, moving right along then? Indeed, carry on when ready. Okay, let's see. Uh, uh, few weeks ago, I was toying around with the uh, font on the uh, Podbean, one of the first uh, episodes I put out on Podbean uh, yeah. directly. I was toying around with the fonts trying to make it look better. I uh, actually still need to do some uh, work over there now that I think about it. Uh, I was joking around that maybe I should make the entire uh, show notes uh, into Comic Sans. <laughs> and Groove responded, Comic Sans? No! Please, No! <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, Chemist, I really don't get the Comic Sans hate. Guess it's ugly, but there's far worse fonts. At least, uh, it's readable. Or uh, at least East, um, it's readable. In the previous tweet, uh, I've swapped all the lowercase uh, L's and I's uh, because it's Arial and nobody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Except me when I copied it into my uh, notes here because it's not running in the Arial font. So, yeah. Let's see, Kyle. Okay, I'm on board. It took two months, but now I can uh, uh, say that the religious system in Sif 6 is uh, terrible. Well, good thing you've uh, told us about that before. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kyle, you guys were talking about how BGL changed your lives. 
I just wanted to say thank you for including me in your community and cultivating uh, such an amazing community in general. You guys rock. Wow, thank you. Even though we are several weeks late in responding to this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Then you, uh, Thomas Beards and Groove, were talking about SSDs and hybrid hard drives. Then we didn't really have any uh, tweets for the week of the BGL Awards. I guess nobody uh, really listened to that or just, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're just uh, laughing at you for the editing mess that had to be. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, or at least I didn't find any tweets. That's the thing. Is that there may have been there and I missed them. Very possible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Chemist, uh, 51 days, 17 hours of podcast listening time. Uh, increase the total duration of podcast I appear in. Co-hosted uh, 11 hours, 10 minutes total, plus another two-ish hours of audio letters. Jimmy has way too much free time on his hands. <laughs> or just the right amount. Let's see. Chemis uh, also got picked up by a Brawlhalla clan. Eight diamond gold pairs, whatever the hell that means. Finished third bl- the placement turn. I'm officially uh, effort. Whatever that means. <laughs> Congratulations, Kimmis. Uh, I, I imagine this is what it sounds like whenever I talk about my old Highlander time and Team Fortress 2. <laughs> it makes sense to me, but I have, I'm sure people have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Yep, I definitely don't. And Kyle, Microsoft uh, Flight, uh, allowing me to fly any route I will have a trip on in the future. This is a major time sink, and I love it. Kyle, I'm so sorry. Or should I say Mel's? I'm so, so sorry. Because <laughs> it's uh, every time I fire up Steam, I look and you know, Kyle's been playing this. It's either Kyle playing uh, Microsoft Flight or you playing Transport Fever. <laughs> Tee Let me some Transport oh. Fever. Yeah, that's wrapped up the tweets. All right. Like I said, uh, not a lot for three weeks, but then again, we also had the Christmas season and the the VGL words really didn't have a lot because we had the community feedback built into it already. Yeah. Okay. Well, that means it's time to move on to where we talk about what's going on and wrap up the show. So what's going on for me? Well, after the awful sicknesses and the time that I took off around Christmas anyways, um, I did spend some time rendering videos today and have 14... 13 videos ready to they just have to be put on YouTube and scheduled and things uh, Divinity, Original Sin uh, some, the last few episodes of Portal yeah, sorry if I scared you off on putting up Divinity, it's just, you also needed to get your Portal stuff done no, that thing happened where I just like didn't do stuff for a while because life got busy, I tend to render in big chunks and mm-hmm. you know like schedule it and hopefully the chunks you know come frequently enough that I don't get off scheduling, but it that happened. Um, with things getting back in the swing of stuff, uh, I've got a review written that I need to record and get up. Hopefully that'll get done before Sunday, but no promises on that. So just expect catch up on Divinity and wrapping up Portal 2 for me on YouTube. Uh, and you can find me on the YouTubes uh, by searching for Gaming Psychologist. I picked up a few subs over Christmas time. Um, I'm in like the mid-80s. Uh, which I was yeah, in like the high I, 70s before. So whoever followed me, thanks. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at by following me at JMA4707. 
I tweet about all kinds of random things. Uh, those of you who followed me, thank you for your support during my time of sadness over the weekend. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it much more, but just thanks. Again, we have an awesome community. Uh, and it's, it's nice to have people there for you. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad to be there for you, buddy. Yeah. It, Even though I didn't do it publicly, I did send you a message. You did. You did send me uh, a text message and a few other people who have my phone number did as well. And thank you to, to you guys as well who did that. Um, speaking of community interaction, this is a little bit off topic, but related. I had a really interesting conversation with someone in our community talking about how that me just being me on the show has really helped them to get strength and courage to be themselves and overcome some challenges that they've had in their life. And just because you're weird and proud of it. Yeah. Just cause I'm just out there and like, I'm not saying that to, to be like, Hey, I'm awesome. Like I'm saying that to be like, thank you for like, I feel really honored to be that in your life. So you know who you are. Obviously I don't do names or anything like that, but you made me feel really, really like I did something good in the world. And that's, like, I never imagined that bullshitting on a video game podcast for three hours a week would change someone's life, but I'm really glad yeah, it's, that... Oh, it's always the little things, isn't it? Uh, uh, granted, we are a very small community, but it's just small moments that really make it worthwhile. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, all the uh, effort that you put in and have someone uh, say that they appreciate your work. Yeah. Or that uh, you did something special for them. Yeah, like you telling me that like really made me feel awesome because I was starting to get sick and all that during then. I was feeling like shit and you told me that and I was like, wow, I did something good for somebody and I didn't even like intend to. So thanks for telling me that and I'm really glad that I was able to help you. So, Yeah. Anyways, back to the, the regular stuff. Uh, if you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, that's coming back as soon as everything lines up. Uh, I want to tomorrow, but if my voice winds up being shot after this, obviously there's no point. So I will, you know, post a tweet, I guess, listening to this podcast. It'll be in the past, but for you, Rage, I'll post a tweet tomorrow. In the future. <laughs> yeah, I'll post a tweet in the future that uh, tells you how I'm doing, but... I think I'm going to wake up tomorrow and my voice is going to be trashed again. But that's okay. I'll have enough time to recover before the next podcast episode. Uh, but anyways, twitch.tv slash jarother4707. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, like I said, that's coming back as soon as my voice comes back and stays. Uh, and if you want to meet my friend on Steam, where that we can have conversations about all kinds of stuff, sometimes about life stuff, sometimes about games, sometimes about butts, you know. You be my friend. My Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests and just hope that you're cool people from our community. And if you wish to make sure that he knows that you're a cool person from this community and what episode you're coming from, the password for this week is tiddlywinks. <laughs> oh. That was- tiddlywinks. <laughs> That's that's good. Please, people, use that password. Just send me that randomly. <laughs> oh, I love it whenever I get a uh, word that just uh, sent you off for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> it's just, that's great. It's just great. I don't think that's a word that you would expect. Nope. Oh, trust me. I have some words on here that are just strange. <laughs> 
the uh, the word list has become this thing that yeah I'll uh, sometimes I'll just uh, be browsing around and I'll see a word it's like well that's going on the list but there's also been times that uh, you know I'm half asleep at night and just this word pops in my head and I grab my phone and I re- uh, I have this recording app that you know I press a button on uh, the the thing and it'll uh, record a message for me and I've had several that I just think of a word in the middle of the night. <laughs> Nice. Or actually, technically, day for me, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> Time zones, they're, they're weird. Yeah, time's weird. All right, that does it for me. What about you, sir? Uh, well, since I talked about Space Marine this week, that means I've entered the choosing for the next uh, series. I have a few choices that I want to do, but there's also some games I've picked up, and uh, there's games that's been in my list for a while, so... It's going to be me sitting down and figuring that out for uh, the next day or two and uh, see what shows up there. And the thing is, it's next week, and I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to play yet. <laughs> I do have a couple choices that I want to play, but then there's also other things that I may want to play as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, RimWorld. Um, the current series is the last series on Alpha 14. And then I'm skipping Alpha 15 and going directly to Alpha 16. I have my build pretty much set. Only thing I want to do is I want to try to find a weapon pack to add on to it. But the thing is that those usually require a patch for combat realism because I am a masochist and I absolutely love having combat realism smack, uh, smack me on the ass. <laughs> Among other things. Wink. Oh, my. Uh, and let's see. Of course, Divinity Original Sin. Uh, there's only going to be one episode this week unless we rush it somehow. Uh, because Saturday I don't have an episode for because you were sick. Yep. So I'm going to try to do rain filler for it. I'm not making a promise there. And the Sunday sampler has been weird the last few weeks just because it was the holiday season. So there wasn't a lot of new games coming out. Uh, looking back through my backlog, uh, I try to make it so that uh, I don't try to force a Sunday sampler. Uh, you know, if I'm uh, not really connecting with the game or really have a strong opinion about it one way or another. I won't. Uh, I don't like talking about it. Well, at least on the video, I will talk about it on here if need be. Uh, but yeah, nothing really clicked for me, so I ended up skipping an episode. Then I had a quick uh, thrown together list episode. Then I skipped uh, on New Year's Day, so I'm actually a couple behind on that. And uh, the thing is, the couple uh, games that I wanted to play on the Sunday sampler required more of a time investment than I really had, and I had some uh, things with uh, just. Uh, not being able to really sit on my computer for a while, uh, just medical wise. So yeah, it was just uh, wasn't a bad, t- uh, good time for me to uh, be able to record a, a or put the time in for a long game uh, to get a first impression on. So I kind of uh, hit the Sunday sampler, which that's the series that I'm more willing to just skip it a week if need be. Uh, let's see. Well, coming up, uh, of course, like I said, uh, the new game, Alpha uh, 16, and uh, as always, the Sunday Sampler. Well, I will try to do something this week. I'm not sure if it's going to be anything, though, because I've, uh, it's just things are really starting to kick off now. So we'll see what I, what shows up. And you can find all that over on Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Or if you want to see me tweet randomly, which I have been a little bit more active on, uh, you can find me ever at Gaming with CR. Uh, no Twitch yet. I am looking at the possibility of it. It really depends on what project I go for. Either the computer, which I'm toying around with the uh, project name Project Ascension, <laughs> just because I like project names. 
Mm-hmm. And you're just sitting there now. I'm just, I'm nodding my, I did that thing where I nodded my head yes again. <laughs> I can't see. And then realized you couldn't see me, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> or Don't if worry I about it. Harder, then, then it does make it a lot more, uh, uh, make a lot more sense to uh, do Twitch streaming. Because, uh, you know, having that uh, extra real estate to be able to monitor everything. But uh, I'm not sure if I want to get into it yet, because I would like to wait until I'm a little bit bigger on YouTube. Well, assuming I do get bigger on YouTube. <laughs> because, yeah, my choice of games doesn't exactly help there. <laughs> uh, Space Marine didn't get a lot of attention. It did get some, but not a lot. Uh, But, yeah, I, you know, I would like to be a little bit more popular on YouTube, but... Uh, it, I don't want to sit there and play Minecraft because that's pretty much what you have to do on YouTube these days. Yeah. Me playing Minecraft is fun for me, but boring for anyone else to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course you're just digging the entire time. You're not, the thing is uh, Minecraft really requires you to do either uh, stupid things, do the random game modes or do amazing projects. And I um, don't do either of those or any of those, I should say. Uh, and I think that's it for my stuff. I did say my Twitter and my uh, YouTube and no Twitch stuff. At least not yet. I am toying out the idea. If I get people contacting me saying I should do Twitch, then I would. Alrighty so then. So that moves us on to uh, our closing stuff. Indeed it does. Uh, this is going to be the last episode on uh, our old RSS feed, right? Correct. And we know this is going to be the last episode that appears in both places. Uh, from now on, yeah, uh, all future episodes. Yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, you probably should have a short thing at the very beginning of this episode saying that. Uh, I'll do that, and I'll put up a little short thing on uh, our our RSS feed that just says, "Hey, this is the last. That episode was the last episode. If you want to find us, go over here. Uh, uh, VGLpodcast.podbean.com is where you should be able to uh, find us. Correct, Amundo. Uh, I'm still toying around with how things look over there. I'm not a hundred percent satisfied with how the po- uh, how the show notes are turning out, and I do also realize that not all the podcast episodes are over there. It's uh, uh, the import when Jared tried to do it just didn't work right, and I haven't wanted to try it because, yeah, it's some very uh, black magic stuff. <laughs> yeah, I will. I mean, if the import uh, the uh, the. The proper RS feed is a vglpodcast.podbean.com slash feed. It's at the very top of the page. Yep. I will go and, and upload all of our backlog. Cause just because we upload doesn't mean they'll go live. And I'll start working on uploading our backlog now that I am feeling better. So all that right. all of the episodes will be up there. All right. And you are you are able to just copy and paste directly the uh, show notes and all the links should work. Yeah. Yeah, I should be able to do that. Because that's why the last few episodes on the uh, RSS feed uh, that we're currently using uh, over on bglpodcast.blogspot.com. I'm oh, sorry, Video Game Logic Podcast, because you uh, <laughs> you set that up before we uh, really started using VGL Podcast. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, that's why the show notes over there have looked a little weird as I've been copying and pasting from Podbean. Because, yeah, setting up two completely separate uh, sets of uh, show notes is a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, do you happen to know if the uh, if uh, Google Play and iTunes and all that is going to uh, reflect the new RSS feed? I don't. Are you able to change that? I don't know about Google Play. iTunes has got a tool that lets you tweak your stuff, but because you can't get customer support with iTunes, it hasn't worked for me yet. So I don't know. I haven't even checked Google Play yet. Okay, that's something else that you have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, those things, like the most important things about the, the changeover will be, uh, iTunes, Google Play, and of course, uh, well, uh, getting people on the URS feed directly. Yeah. But those will be, I'll take care of those first before I start uploading the backlog. Cause I mean, that's lower priority. So. All right. Yeah. The, that's the problem with uh, changing uh, over to uh, paid services that there's just this growing pain. But uh, I will say that the download speed is a lot better. <laughs> yeah. And we're not abusing the internet archive anymore. Nope. Granted, I think the cheeky little monkeys are going to be upset that they can't do that anymore. But we may have to make a concession for a couple of them. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but we do want to thank uh, the Internet Archive one last time for unknowingly supporting this absolute train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, our outros are always just so hapdash, aren't they? But that makes them fun. You you have this nice organized intro that you screw up every single time. <laughs> I didn't screw up this week. Yeah, but you're calling it, and that's why you uh, didn't screw it up. Is that you uh, paid special attention to the year? I did do that. Even though I have to admit, I am very tempted to try to go in and put it in 2016. <laughs> Edit it in. If you uh, want to go through all the work, be my guest. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to. Uh, I don't care that much about the joke. Uh, but if you care that much about the joke and want to let us know, you can reach us at vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics. Or just tweet us at VGL Podcast on Twitter. Our Patreon, if you wish to help support us on Podbean, is patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. And I guess we could skip the uh, website this time around because we are not <laughs> going to be supporting that anymore. But I will say that we are also on iTunes and Google Play, at least in theory, assuming Jared could fix that. This is the problem is that I can't help you because I don't know the technical aspects of this and I don't have access to that section. I'll fix it one way or another. Even if we have to do a complete, like, re, you know, changeover or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll, we'll fix it. We'll figure it. it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, and at least we'll be able to figure out where our intro and outro music is uh, coming from because it's on the ground by Kevin McLeod and you can find his work at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. Tiddlywinks. <laughs> Bye-bye.